it's it's almost too on the nose. I almost couldn't believe it. But when I approached City Hall, a rat scrambled across the front steps or, oh, or the no. back steps, I guess, that where I was entering from, straight out of the last shot of The Departed. And then when I was leaving, there was a very persistent cockroach that wouldn't leave me alone. Mm. Like I would, I would go stand on a on a different side of the concrete, and it would like scutter right over. Wow, scuttle. I had a weird cockroach interaction. What happened to you? There was a one. There was a big juicy one Gross. standing outside, like the and the door to my apartment. Was it wearing like sweatpants that said "juicy" on the bed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like afraid because it. Every time I moved, kind of like with yours, it would move. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, God. Like, if I open the door, it's going to... It's going to come right in. It's going to dart in. It's not even going to bring a little welcome gift, either. And I just, Just like, going to track in some mud. <laughs> track in some bugs. <laughs> yeah. True. <laughs> True. True. It's hard because I want to be, like... I am your... Like, I am a good friend to you, Cockroach. I am not smushing you right now. Yeah. I was just... I just had this weird... I just stared at it and, like, <laughs> went open my door. And I was like, what do I do? I eventually went inside and it didn't move, but still, it felt like it was going to run. That's in. Maybe very... it was like a the soul of someone that you know, that's dearly what I... departed. Oh, that's what it felt that's like. Sweet. I, I, who would I? Who, who in my life? Who would come back as a cockroach? Yeah. <laughs> who would come? Whose soul is a cockroach that I'm I thinking knew it's all... in my life? Well, let's let's think about that. You tell me. You might. Mm. You would know better than I would, right? Oh, I don't know. Okay, spill some personal details. I'm trying to think. Spill some backstory. They would have to be dead. Mm-hmm. Correct. Who died and would come back a cockroach? If this, if you are living Coco, who are your dearly departeds? Mm. I don't know. Who's on your ofrenda? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'll just say what what that made me think of that the cockroach was just staying outside the door. It's like the cockroach from Wally. No, but I was thinking about that too. It's very thank you. That, that that's that's the sweet side of what I'm getting at, which is that. You like open your window and like Michael Myers in the laundry mm. in the backyard, just like the cockroach just standing right oh. there, like staring in the door. It's like that great line in With Nell and I when like these windows are built for people to stare into or whatever it was. I got a I got a big kick out of that one. Got a big kick. Something like to look into. Yes, yes. I got a I got a big swift kick in the pants by a foot wrapped in a plastic bag. I saw one of the original posters of the broadcast news today, and not like a real poster, but an image of it. And uh, our dear Peter Travers was a quote whore even then. Mm. What did he say? say? It said, the best film of the year has arrived. I saw that same poster. Peter Travers, people. tweeted it. I'll be happy to put on record on the microphone. Did y'all see who has declared, can you ever forgive me to be the best film of the year? Ann Thompson, no, because she's already Nick scared. LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle. No, it's it's not it's not anyone we've ever talked about Lights, on here before. Cameron Jackson. <laughs> no, but I'm sure LCJ loves it. Have you seen LCJ's Pixar ranking? No. Cars what? are pretty close to the top. <laughs> oh no! Front of the pack. Well, he's cars. five years old, so he he's likes not anymore. Toys. He's not. He's in college. No, he's not. He is in college. I don't believe it. Where did it go? I don't know. <laughs> the nursery. <laughs> Did your team win this weekend? The the Dodgers? No. Oh, the Spartans. MSU? My brother and my dad were watching it. I saw a picture of, of the this. band on the field, and I just saw how just the scores of folks yeah. in the stands. Yeah, we got our butts kicked. And I was thinking that was what our sweet Brandon did for all of college yeah. on game day. You're in this coliseum. Mm-hmm. People are screaming. Mm-hmm. What was it like? Were you scared to mess up a single note? 
Yeah, I mean, you sort of just black out. Do you go to away games? And then you too? come out. Uh, depends. Like we would have gone was if Michigan was away, we oh. would go to Michigan. Sure. It depends. Yeah. Um. Sorry. Wait, who... So who gave it best movie of the year? <laughs> was Rex, it me? Rex Reed. Oh, interesting. I but, don't really know who that is. So I've seen the Rex, name on Rex, the Metacritic. Rex Reed is sort of a fascinating character in that he was one of the first sort of celebrity critics. He would be on, you know, Johnny Carson and and um and like the you know not the Gong Show because I don't but you know of that Dick era. Dick Cavett. Dick Cavett. Yeah. Um, it's stuff like that. He and he he's Password. he's gay. Yeah. <laughs> Password. The ten thousand dollar pyramid. Mm. The match game. So. Oh, he's with the. Observer, right? So, this is my favorite film he, of 2018. He's very much past his prime, yeah. and he was arguably not an amazing critic earlier. But he was sort of in that, you know, um, uh, glitterati. Yeah. Uh, like, like you know, when we're talking about Saris and Kale. Like, mm-hmm. those are the big thinkers. But Rex Reed is the one who's on television. Right. Rex Reed famously published a piece, maybe like five or six years ago. Um, describing Melissa McCarthy's physical appearance and um, really insulting, like nauseatingly oh, gross. I remember that detail. I remember like that too. really, I mean, showed really poor character in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Is this so him making up? For I, that? W- I wonder if this is his atonement. Nice, probably. I don't know. That's nice. Good for him. I mean, I, I'm not willing Good to. Good for him. That's not how I. That's not what I'm spinning this as. I'm just saying, interesting. You know what else is interesting? Can you ever forgive me? on Metacritic has. 30 positive reviews, zero mixed, zero negative. Mm. It's, to quote Peter Travers, it's impossible not to like. (laughs) (laughs) It really, it's a delight. It's a Um, wonderful film. um, I love crunch. Fan of the podcast, was going to watch Red River, not Red River, sorry, Rio Bravo, because I watched Rio Bravo. John Ford is a fan of the podcast, or Howard Hawks is a fan of the podcast. Did I say? What did I say? What were the you words? You didn't name the friend. Oh, fan of the podcast, Jordan Baker. Well, remember, oh. we don't. We're not. We're not fans of the podcast. We're friends of the podcast. Right. Excuse me. I don't think anyone's ever coined that before. Friend of the pod. Yeah, I think that's I've never up for heard grabs. That. That's up for grabs. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's you. Oh, I, I. I'm not gonna sit on the mics. So I'm not gonna hog time, and I don't want to derail again. And I want you to say what you're gonna say about Hawks. But I have been watching these Pod Save America HBO specials, and mm-hmm. I have uh, pretty mixed feelings about how productive they might be. I agree. Yeah. It's really weird. It's pretty smug. Yeah, I Pretty heard, smug. I heard they're not great, but... And I listened to the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to talk about it anymore, but I'm glad that you... The eye contact we're making, we feel the same way. It's but very, the Beto interview, though... It's just very... It is very October 2016. That is how I feel. I, oh. I ultimately oh. here, here's here's how I sort of justify it. Pod Save America exists by its own admission in a similar uh, in a similar operation to Fox News, and that it is trying to gin up the base by mm-hmm. getting them energized on issues they care about and get them angry on the things that they uh, are frustrated by or scared by. Right. So if if folks who are I imagine not many folks on the right are watching this program anyway. So if it gets more young people to turn out to vote, yeah. if it gets more people who are on the fence, fantastic. I think that's that's the whole point of it. But imagine being like, and I, like, I, how could you ever be in the middle these days? Yeah. Like when you know when children are being ripped apart from their parents. Like how could you? How can you not take a side? Um, but I think about folks who maybe aren't sure if they're going to vote, yeah. or or who have never voted for a Democrat before, and have HBO subscriptions and tune into this. And it's just, I again, I just find some of it, not all of it. I think there's some productive discussion going on there, but there's just these elements that are yeah. really 
really smug and really self-satisfied. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder how much how much good that does in terms of getting those people to vote with us. But I am someone I who's, I don't think I've said it on this show before, because why would I? This is not a political podcast. But I think it is more important to turn on the base than it is to yeah. convince people who are unswayed by the tremendous moral failing in our government mm-hmm. and by our leaders. Um you know, at a certain point, we have to, like, we'd love for you to vote with us, but at the same time, like, do you have a pulse? <laughs> like, do you mm-hmm. have a conscience? Do you have a heart? You think this is fine. Anyway, Rio Bravo. But, you know, it was really nice to see Brittany Packnett, who I think is one of the smartest people in the world. Oh, she's great. And I wish that she was doing weekly I wish that HBO she, programs. That she wasn't a special not, guest. Yes, exactly. She was a reg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love, I just adore her. She, I believe she's Miss Brittany Packnett on uh, on the Twitter. Everyone follow her. Give her a follow. Yeah. Do I it. If I do follow Smash her. Smash in the follow. She's button. on Pod Save the People, the sister program. Oh, which you are, you are a yes, noted yes. bigger fan of. I am. Because I like DeRay. I like DeRay McKesson too. Yeah. What I like um, about DeRay McKesson is that he doesn't entertain the other narratives. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. He's like, well, no. I mean, we're talking about voting rights. <laughs> there is no wiggle room on this issue, you know? Mm-hmm. I appreciate that perspective. Mm-hmm. We should all try and do that more. Mm-hmm. Don't buy the bullshit. Don't let them set the tone. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you watched Rio Bravo. I watched Rio Bravo, and I tweeted about this, but I just it's really interesting watching something that is like the er text for everything that has ever happened after Rio Bravo. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I'm kind of bored because I've seen this movie a million times, but I know that this is the first time it happened, mm, mm-hmm. and it's like it's like a very strange. It's like when you watch Psycho process. for the first time, mm-hmm. and I just I just watched Halloween for what I'm counting as the first time. I had seen I had seen it uh, in the background, and then was actually watching it at a party two three years ago. But people were talking. Mm-hmm. I was drunk. Like right. this was really the first time I sat down and watched it, and it's gripping on on a lot of different levels. Yeah. And I'd actually be happy to talk about Halloween for a minute if we want to. But it, it, it we've it, all watched it recently, so let's. It it, it is yeah. very much the the urtext for um, not for the slasher movie because yeah. it's not the first, right. and you could argue that Friday the Thirteenth has had a more enduring legacy on the formula, but. Just in in terms of the like, it's a tight ninety minutes. It's a very it's it's similar to No Country for Old Men, and I think the structure is quite skeletal. Yeah. Um, but what I think is really interesting is we often give The Shining so much credit for being influential stylistically in the horror genre mm-hmm. for the past forty years, and like a lot of what's in The Shining is in Halloween two years earlier, and a lot of mm. what's in The Shining was in Three Women three years earlier. Yeah. So not not the worst. So in the shining. So no. but wasn't Robert Altman and John Carpenter uh, <laughs> might have a little minds. something to say. Yeah, Just their minds. Wasn't Halloween the first like Final Girl movie? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's more what I mean in terms of her text. I didn't. I, it's been like ten years since I've watched it, but I've seen it a lot. And in my mind, Jamie Lee Curtis is actively running away Activia. for longer Lee, yes, than sure. oh my god for longer than twenty minutes. And the deaths start a lot sooner in my memory. The deaths start it pretty t- late. Yeah, it takes a minute. It's yeah. like it's like the last forty five minutes. The two girls die, and then it's like the last twenty minutes. Well, it's just Jamie. Someone's Lee. complaint about the 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 new one. And you're the only one here who's seen it, right? I I oh. like the new one quite a bit. I think it does a lot of exciting things. I would compare it to Scream Four, which what, I'm a fan of. What Scream Four did with Scream, this Halloween does with Halloween. It both like pays homage to the original while also like poking fun at it and updating it. 
I'm interested to but, see. Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, I forget what my point was going to be. Um, oh, the kills starting so late in the original Halloween. There are, and there's only five people killed in the original Halloween. Does that include the truck driver? I think yeah, so. Yeah, because it's only two of two it's of her not, friends. It's three of her friends. And then the truck two driver. others. And. Wait, who's the third friend? The third, it's the guy and the girl. Oh, right, right, right. I always forget the boy. Yeah. That there is a boy that is killed. Right. Yeah. His name is um, like, I don't remember his name. And then the new he one. He looks like Bruce Davison. <laughs> the yeah. new one, people have a problem that like the death count is so much higher. Mm. So it feels, feels like a lot of the deaths are superfluous and like yeah. don't mean as much because like you know like in the original he killed five people and that right. was that and was it, does that count his sister oh yeah that would that earlier? would be five that would be probably. five so that's probably, probably the five that would be the fifth yeah there's something so michael hanukkah just like cold and clinical about the deaths in halloween mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. they're not belabored they're not st- well the tension is certainly stretched out to unbearable yeah. uh to an unbearable dimension like the first girl who's killed and i i i hope that friend of the podcast jeffrey mccran's not listening to this because it, i'm embarrassed that i don't know the name that like mm-hmm. i know he would know like yeah. you know what i mean um and so would michael Ferrati. of course yes. they would know they're but, both they're both screaming right but now, my, yeah but 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 michael stalk- and tj probably would too <laughs> yes yeah a lot of our friends but michael is stalking the the friend across the street for what feels like you know, 15 minutes yeah. just popping up in windows. Yeah. When she does her laundry, oh, you know, we see, we, well, yeah, like we see him in the doorways both times and on both ends of the door. There are two doorways on, in both doors. And then when she gets stuck and then she gets locked in yeah. and we're certain that he snuck in, mm-hmm. we're just waiting for it. And then she manages to pry open another door and has her entire body like out of it. And you expect her to like her sister to pull her back in and like her, you know, her, yeah. she's got blood coming down her neck. So many yeah. moments you think she's. And she still has like another 10 minutes yep. of life yeah. in her, uh, literally. So good. But that's what I love so much about Halloween is the way that it reprograms your brain um, as an active watcher of the yeah. movie. Like pretty, like <clears throat> as soon as you see Michael Myers uh, in, in the flesh, in the frame, in the daylight for the yeah. first time where he is just the size of a little ant, you know, he's like just across the street by a car or yeah. chilling by a hedge or whatever. Carpenter is training you to scan every yeah. inch of every frame. And it's what makes the wide shots so terrifying and Ugh. so effective. Okay. The, just the establishing shots of the houses, you are, you know, you, you, you are trying to locate Michael so you can be one step ahead of him but you can't and so then by the time like he finally carries the neighbor girl out like very methodically like Frankenstein's monster just around the side of the house it's so chilling because it's so much more again like when I think of Hanukkah it's just so matter of fact yeah um and and it's not a shot at the end where it's just Jamie Lee in the black and then he (sighs) appears yeah is I love it's just it leaves me speechless leaves me speechless I love a, a horror movie that use makes good use of like a wide shot where yeah. you, where you're forced to scan it's actually paranormal activity oh no? sure the first one and second one the first one is pretty good. that's what i really like pretty about good. joel edgerton's <laughs> the gift pretty good mm. i mean have you guys seen the gift i did he's no. very clearly steeped in the cinematic language it's of, very fun it's super it's fun very should fun i movie. see it yeah, it's I great would like it. i, I like it I a lot Boy yes yeah oh absolutely yeah <laughs> the, the gift is legit i don't it's a very good movie. i think yeah i think oh, it's, I think it's it? legitimately oh, great okay. i think it's one of the more exciting debut films by an actor 
um, in the last. I remember few years. I had third act issues, but I just like don't remember the movie well enough to remember what they are. I don't even know what it's about. He shows up at the box. Yeah, I, I don't want to say anything yeah. because that's all. That's all I that's knew going in, and it's Great. not. But that's not even. That's not even a third of it. Yeah, but just just the way that the w- the wow. way that um like I'm <laughs> wiggling my eyebrows closer to the mic. Just the fact that like when it, it when, picked, when Jason Bateman and Rebecca Hall move into their new house, like Edgerton knew to make it a glass house, yeah. <laughs> like to make sure that you could see behind every single wall, mm-hmm. and just the way that he very uh, methodically and maniacally moves his camera around, it just has this gliding uh, effect of where every time you get an inch more on the side of the frame, you are you are expecting something to be coming from it. Like he has, he understands how to do diversion yeah. by by speaking in the language, uh, like just in the cinematic conventions of horror and the stalker movie. Yeah. And then while you're looking over here, he has something happen somewhere else. Not even in a jump scare. Like he's just, I, I, I love the. I mean, it's always fun to watch a horror movie because you're being worked over, right? Yeah. And Edgerton does it very effectively. I agree. This is gonna come out before I Halloween, agree. so it's fitting we're talking about Halloween. 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 Oh yeah, this will come out the week of Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, friends. Is that something we enemies, don't... lovers. <laughs> speaking of Michael with, Myers. Speaking of with Null and I. <laughs> Oh, I got I took a selfie with Michael Myers at the Arclight Hollywood where I was seeing the film. <clears throat> Can you ever forgive me <gasps> with with Michael Myers like in the house? And I was going to be like, <laughs> my boyfriend. <laughs> you Home for the holidays. You should have posted that. Cute. Cute. Uh, you guys didn't see the new one. My right? pores were no, huge, Brandon. Yet. The picture was not it was not shareable. Mm-hmm. I almost took a photo with Michael Myers, but I didn't. I will oh. still be there for a while. It's making a lot of money. It is. Sure it is. I know that. Some, I think that's very. I, I love that you love it. Well, I know that some folks have some pretty big problems with it, but I don't know Jamie what those big Lee, problems are because I, mean, I haven't been following the discussion around it. Oh, this is what I was going to say though. When you yeah, were talking, people, there's a lot of people who don't like it. But, when, but when you were talking about, um, when you were talking about the way that it's both celebrating and undermining the original Halloween, I'm mm-hmm. curious to know. And it, obviously, there's like ten Halloweens between, if not more. Between the first Halloween and then 2018 Halloween, this but one I'm, ignores. That I've heard that, but okay. but I not, not I'm not talking about plot. I'm just okay. interested if there's any carrying of the torch of Carpenter's, uh, not not just style, but the way that he interrogates these scenes as a filmmaker. So I guess that's style. <laughs> I'm just I'm just curious, like to see a Halloween movie without that same architecture that I was talking about. You know what I mean? Like I like it's 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 like. Um, I don't. I, I guess I, I'm just going to waste a lot of time if I keep talking about this. But I'm just like I'm curious to see what David Gordon Green is doing stylistically, and how much of a departure it is from the way that Carpenter builds the dread in in the original. Uh huh. He like to pay homage or to work off of. No, he definitely he's doing. There's a lot of he's doing horror. He's doing <laughs> horror. No, he he does some new things that aren't in there's two scenes that stick out in my mind i won't say them because you haven't seen the movie but um like there's one that involves a long take that's like pretty neat and there's nothing like that in i will see it i wasn't thinking i would but it just feels like such a cultural touchstone now 
Yeah, I, be- I believe that you texted us before you went to Toronto, and you're like, everyone asking me if I'm going to see Halloween at the festival clearly doesn't know me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, it's. I but still no. believe that. But I mean, you're at a festival, <laughs> the film festival. You're Why? not going to go see. I'm at the Why would I go see Halloween when it's coming out in a month? Yeah, now that it's up the street at ArcLight, you should go. Well, this is why I mean, take a the whole selfie. house is there. It's you know, huh? the whole house is in the lobby. It is. Go yeah, take it. it's okay, very take, cool. Take a Everyone selfie. was taking pics last. So night. now it's my turn because I'm going to the festival. I'm going to the film festival. Yes. By the time this is out, I will have already been to the festival. I am moderating. Are you going to do films. a diary? Uh, no, 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 no. And this is what I was going to. No, I'm not because I'm going to be working. Sure. I'm moderating. Um, He's going to be busy. I'm going to be moderating films at Newfest. But, busy. But they're playing Boy Erased, for instance, speaking of Joel Edgerton. And I've decided that I'm not going to go see it because it is coming out yeah. like a week or so later. Yeah. It's the best way to play the festival game. Yeah. It's prioritize things that you don't know when else you could see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy Erased will be waiting for you when you return. Yes. Mm-hmm. And when mm-hmm. and when I return, it will be on the day that this episode drops. Oh. And so without any further ado, I'm back later in the week. I'm coming back uh, a week from today. Oh. It's a long trip. I'd leave yeah, tomorrow. Anyway, so by the time I get back, this episode will have dropped, but we're you know, so there, why are there's we not going to our next podcast there's, that there's, the Thursday there's, of next week. There's not going to be in just let me I think I did that. For reasons. Wait, we have until... Okay, I've talked about how I don't want to talk about this on the microphone, but we record the third next Thursday? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. I'll have time to watch the movies. I think I pushed. Well, let's... Can I, we stick to that? Because... If we have to. I know you like to do it earlier. Cause you're more Why did I push? I don't That'll remember. give me more time to watch the movies, but... Anyway, there's not going to be an episode to release a week from today if we don't record this episode. So... That's right. Okay, shut up. <laughs> welcome to another episode of the insightful film podcast, Movies IMO. We are your three fave film forgets. We are here to talk about redemption, forgery, <gasps> really good pink lemonade. Forgery. I'm excited to get started. My name's Daniel Crook. <laughs> and alcoholism. We're talk a lot oh, about alcoholism. Yes, we are. All of these all of the movies that we're talking yeah. about involve alcoholism. Yeah. And speaking of, I'm, I'm almost fresh. out of my first beer. So. You know what's <laughs> so fresh? Oh, that is fresh. Oh, that's fresh. I wrote down so many lines you know in Bridesmaids. Brandon, can you introduce yourself so we can... Oh, right. I just have a question for both of you. <laughs> Absolutely. Why not? I'm going to pose a question to the table. It's fun that the longer we do this, the more deconstructionist the program gets. I just have a question. For Please. The... I might have an answer. Can you ever forgive me? <laughs> I truly didn't know that I, I, was coming. As soon as I asked, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh, here comes the bit. Here we go. Yes, I'm Brandon Kirby. I can. Thank you. I'm Ben. I'm Lee Israel. <laughs> I was. I thought about it when but I was I'm watching Lee Israel. It. A little bit. Nice. In a nice way. In a nice way. I think we're all Lee Israel in her, in our like, in our own ways. Have look, elements look, of Lee. I I mean, this movie won me over pretty much from the get go. But once I the realized first five minutes. Once I realized that there that a uh, a thick emotional hinge point of this film depended on our lead character getting her hat or pro- cat proper access to healthcare yeah. <laughs> and treated that seriously. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I was in it. It's a cat movie, baby. Oh, it yeah. Sure is. So, you know when I was in with this movie when she takes, when the when the first image came on I mean screen, basically yeah. when I mean, she yeah. when she flicks the flies off the pillowcase? No, when she so takes that got me. her glass <laughs> the, and puts it, it in her. the bag. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
when she flicks the ice into the trash yes. can. It's, it's like when you're making a Blake Lively martini at home. You've got the frozen glass. You swirl the vermouth in, and then you just pitch it onto the ground. Uh, so we are here to talk about uh, we are here to talk about a film adaptation. It is based off the conversation and the question that we three ask each other every week the second we press stop record. Can you ever <laughs> forgive me? Sorry, I stole the bit. It's okay. I just like thought about it on the way here. I was pretty jazzed. I mean, it's oh. fun. It's fun to do like a bit on a bit. So now I ask you, this wine can you is ever forgive disgusting. Me? I forgive you to the wine that I was drinking because I switched bottles. Can you ever glasses. forgive the wine that you're drinking? <laughs> can you ever forgive the vintner? The first one is Bogle. <laughs> bogle. B O G L E. They're like Bungle. And they bungle the one Bogle. Is delicious. And then the second one is. Oh, you switched to Yellowtail? Well, Yellowtail blows. Yeah. Yellowtail blows, but it's it's dependable. I've literally... Not after drinking a good wine. Correct. That is $7.99 at Trader Joe's. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, if we... Maybe one, maybe one week we can... If we ever do our Santa Barbara trip episode when we record from the wineries, I will can talk... Can I be Paul Giamatti? Correct. <laughs> and we I'll, should do that only for the if... Orson Welles episode and we can go to Hearst Castle. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, Here right, we are, so we're doing live it from Hearst <laughs> Castle. <laughs> Where was I going with this? Let's oh, then I can talk on the mic. I can spread some wisdom as well. We can all talk about like our favorite discount wines. Mm. If you are into, you know, a nice earthy, jammy grape from the Cote d'Aronne in France, I am ready to blow your mind wow. and not break the bank on some very affordable bottles. How much? I don't know anything. We're talking intellectually about we're talking five ninety nine or we're talking thick tannins baby but five ninety nine what's a thick tannin (laughs) this oh this glass has legs we'll we'll talk about legs this isn't the sideways episode (laughs) are you chewing gum (laughs) yes but anyway sometimes that seven ninety nine bottle and the five ninety nine bottle when it comes to wines from the Cote d'Iron region at Trader Joe's the seven ninety nine bottle will give you a headache Mm -hmm. while you're drinking it and the five ninety nine will be nice and jammy (gasps) yeah so we are talking about Mariel Heller's second film. Mm. It is the follow-up to The Diary of a Teenage Girl, which mm. we have discussed on the mic before okay. on an episode that shall not be mentioned. What's the ep- what episode was that? The 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 you know the the time between seventh and ninth grade. Oh no. <laughs> So we, 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 have, we have spread out our homework a little bit this week. We are t- going to talk about star Melissa McCarthy and the film Bridesmaids, cultural touchstone. film breakout role. Hell yeah. We're going to talk about Richard E. Grant's breakout role in Withnal and I. And we are going to talk about Nicole Holofcener, writer of Can You Ever Forgive Me? We're going to talk about her most recent picture, The Land of Steady Habits, and I will be doing everything I can to steer the conversation back to her all of her other films, which are all fucking incredible. Yep. Every- what happened? Literally, what happened? Can I ever forgive her? It's based I don't know. on a book by a man about a man for men. But it's not just that. It's, oh. it's, 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 it, it, it is so visually flat. It is just zapped of all of the character nuance that you come to expect from Hulk I think it's visually flat. I think it's visually flat. I, I, I think that it looks like you have the, the screen smoothing on at all times. Looks like that Robin Williams movie, World's Greatest Dad. <laughs> I've never seen the Bobcat oh, no. Goldblatt. It's it. actually very funny. I've heard it's great. It's, it starring starring Daryl Sabara. It just like, looks... Over yeah, there. I think I, I think this go movie. Go watch this Nicole mo- Hall of Center's all of her other movies. Watch Walking and Talking. Watch, watch every Friends other money. Movie watch Enough Said. She's ever directed. Watch Lovely and Amazing, which is the only one I've never Enough seen. Enough Said is I- the only one I've seen. Oh <gasps> yeah, I mean, ben, even you have a, such a journey ahead of you. Just like the way that people talk to each other in Enough Said, it just feels so true to life. Even though they are all privileged, 
it feels like she is puncturing the bubble. Like she, and, and of course she's trying to, she's saying something about these, you know, upper middle class suburban or just like upper class suburbanites mm-hmm. in New England. But this film to me just feels like you take a Nicole Hall of Center film, just like rich in character detail and nuance and, and an investment in these relationships. And like what a cast. Too. Yeah, and what a cast. And then you take in one, of, the, one of those did. very expensive like freeze dryers that I'm sure like, you know, uh, Connie Britton and Edie Falco and Thomas Hayden, not Thomas Hayden Church, Ben Mendelsohn all have in their kitchens. And then you just like freeze dry like all of the meat out of it. And it just feels like it's so dry and it's so tasteless. There's just I Elizabeth hate... Marvel quietly drinking wine in the middle of the day. Do you get it? Like they're, they're, the parents are hypocrites yeah. about their kids' drug problems. It's like you need to add water and the water should be my tears. And yet I was left barren in my eyeballs. Yeah, there's... Uh, barren in my eyeballs. <laughs> barren in my eyeballs. Uh, no, well, never mind. It just is a bummer that you have to watch Private Life also on Netflix, and then you turn to that. and Not to pit the two against each other. No, I hear you. But bummer is the word that I kept consistently coming back to watching I What love, a colossal bummer this movie I is. I love Nicole Hall of Center. This was just a rare misstep Everyone makes a bad movie now and then. Yeah, yes. And she's never made a bad movie, in my she's, opinion. No, no. I've Until seen this. all of them except so, the first It's so one. hard to make anything good. This coming from me, who hates everything. Correct. Me, I'm, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing invested in her career because I've seen one movie before, but I don't know why I feel so. I just want to nurture the both of you since you love her. I'm fine with it. <laughs> and the reason why I'm fine with it is because she wrote a beautiful like, script. Yeah. And Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yeah. I bet she'll get an Oscar nomination. I think she will definitely get an Oscar nomination. Yeah. Some I th- people, like I on Gold Derby, are not predicting it, but I think it's... <sighs> I've talked no, about this before. Maybe not on the podcast. It's I've adapted, certainly talked though. about it with the two of yeah. you. Yeah. It's adapted? Yeah, it's adapted from conversations that we ask each other mm-hmm. every single and time a, we finish adapted, adapted is pretty light this year, it is feels Because like. I got think Tamara Street. will get in. You have what? Tamara will get in. Is, is Private Life adapted? Oh, wait, no. Private yeah, Life right. is the original. Yeah, sorry. I think Can You Ever Forgive Me, and I hate this is such a crass way to start the conversation, but I think it's getting actor. I think it's getting actress. I think it's getting adapted screenplay. and I, actor. And it, you think it's going to get supporting? Oh no! He's, oh, so I'm he's sorry. I'm, because you got the Gotham nomination yeah. for actor. That's what I was he's thinking. He's not going to be in lead. Right, yes, for that. yes, yes. I know that. Um, the Gotham thing messed me up, and it might even get a Best Picture nomination. I think it, it very it will. It, you do? I think it will. I think Mariel Heller will probably. See, get... I don't because I Tanya didn't. Not that this movie because it's better than I Tanya. Is this, I Fox, is this Fox Searchlight though? Yeah. yeah, it'll get it. Oh, that's fair. And I think that Mariel Heller is going to be in the Best Director conversation. That as much as I, would, no, I'm just saying it's fucking love. I'm not it. saying she's I a don't. lock. I'm not even saying it's likely, but yeah. I, you, her name will be talked about in this category. Oh yeah, she'll, yeah, yeah. she'll get an Independent Spirit Award nomination. I right. think mm-hmm. she'll probably win one or two critics groups. Well, you know, it's like it's it's a great fucking movie. No and one I, dislikes it. Like truly, no one dislikes it. Yeah, yeah. And everything. Look at, look at Metacritic. Zero. That's neutral. Right. Zero negative. Yeah. R- Richard E. Grant was tweeting out a screenshot of 100% fresh mm. on Rotten Tomatoes. I love him. I do too. He's incredible in this movie. Is he They're a homo? both incredible. IRL. Uh, I don't I think. Meant to I, fact check. I, I don't think he's a homo. I meant to fact check too. But what? A, what? A, just a delightful rap scallion. You know what I mean? Just delightful. Like going into this weekend, I was like moderately excited for this movie mm-hmm. and then like seeing people log it on the letterbox and all of them are so high and i was like oh i'm like very happy about this i haven't even seen the movie and i was like yeah this is so exciting when the title card came up like 
you know, a good five minutes. Yeah. And, and we know how much you love that. Mm, I love you a love delayed a delayed title card. Mm. Oh, it just really gets me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can you? I was reminded of a Star Is Born. <laughs> no, I was reminded. <laughs> no. Of how much I love Mariel Heller, even after just one movie. Mm-hmm. And Daniel, I liked what you said in your log just about the the warmth and the color. I'll talk and about just it. The, and what you logged, Ben, about the New York of it all. Oh, yeah. It's, it really evokes mm. New York. It has me very excited to go to New York tomorrow. And it's actually shot at Julia's, which is very exciting to me. So did you go there when you lived in New York? Frequently. It's um, Is it a gay bar? It is very famously, before Stonewall... There was what was a drink in. The gays were being thrown out and they drank anyway. Right. And in Julius was the site of It's like right it's right around the corner from the stone wall. I will say there's a pretty good chance that I'm now going to seek it out. When, yeah. When I'm you in New should. York. It's amazing. It's yeah, just like a dive should. bar. It's the gay dive bar. And that's uh, really like that's what we're missing in New York. I mean in LA. I did some very inappropriate things there. One pride. Great. Can you elaborate? Literally, no. <laughs> Cannot be recorded ben, on this microphone. Ben's like, ben's, wow. Ben's like, I did some stuff that you might could call criminal. <laughs> wow. Criminal. I'm ha- Were you ever forgiven? I'm happy to... Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy to talk about what, what I put in my letterbox log, and it also is what Ben said, too. But I love Mariel Heller's The Diary of a Teenage Girl, and her can you ever forgive me for similar reasons and one is that she truly builds them from the ground up in a way that is tied to color and the way that it's tied to character and the way that in costume and how that extends to setting and how that sends to tone like she manages to both um she manages to both dress lee in sort of the um like messy slightly nebbish um like everything's a little oversized everything's dark everything's drab um in a way that informs who she is as a character Mm -hmm. and then you take richard e grant and it's not that he's you know it's not like he's dressed in joseph's amazing technicolor dream coat but it's like it it is a slightly everything has a little more pizzazz it pops a little more but it's still in this sort of muted color palette jacques demy primary color exactly but it is very jacques demy and that so we have now established these two characters who they are in terms of what they're wearing which reflects their own moods and their own interiority and you place them in this very specific setting which is you know 1991 lower manhattan uh, does it say 1991? It does mm-hmm. say 1991. I missed that. Because I, I was thinking, like, are we in the 80s? This is all happening 91. in my birth year. But it's similar to the way that she evokes the Haight-Ashbury of it all in San Francisco. Yeah. Um, and, and what I like so much about it is that they're somewhat unremarkable settings. I mean, history has happened right. in both of these places, but we're now sort of in the afterglow. Yeah. Um, and I guess what I'm getting at is mise-en-scene, really. Um, but she does it in a way that just feels so textured and organic to to to, to the characters, to the settings. It feels very and then it, it, <clears throat> lived in. It, it's very lived in. Because what because ultimately ultimately what she's doing is she's bolstering the uh, interiority of her characters and makes the uh, <clears throat> location a character, you might could say. Wow. It's the whole like setting, mm-hmm. time and location. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. <laughs> well, this, this movie, has been movies. You're just like lost in your mind for it, a this minute. Movie, I still can't place what this movie makes me feel. Mm-hmm. I guess it just makes me feel good. Yeah. But it also makes me feel sad. Yeah. 
Yes. It's just Kate, the Casey Musgraves song. Well, happy and sad at the same time. Nothing I've said is interesting. I no, can't no, put that's... into words how this movie makes me feel, but... Melancholy. It's going to creep up my list. No, I just know it. That's what Heller does in The Diary of a Teenage Girl, too. There's a wistfulness. Yeah. There's, there's a... Everything feels very concrete, but it also feels a little ephemeral. Um, there, yeah. it, it's like in both movies, we're mourning... Like, we are mourning... Uh, we're mourning a culture... And in, in this, it's it could, it, you could talk about uh, the AIDS crisis in San Francisco. You could talk about you know the death of the, um, the well hippie. the, the hippies. But I, th- I I was trying to think of another word for it. But yes, exactly. And like th- there's just these movies are a little depressed, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but the characters find to to quote Ben Mendelsohn in the Land of Steady Habits makes makes them feel joyful and also kind of sad. Oh yeah, you know. God, that scene go. makes me want to kill myself. Ben Mendelsohn. Um, Let's talk about Melissa McCarthy. Well, can we quickly... Did everyone chuckle when Ben Falcone showed up? I, I couldn't place him for a second because he doesn't have the facial hair he normally has. You know that, you know that meme video of the guy with the tiny green flip phone slapping it close? Yeah. Anytime... Anytime someone says to Melissa McCarthy, you can be in this movie, but Falcone can't. Yeah, she slams the phone. So it, I was having this conversation. It took me out of it, but he's good in it. So I guess I was having this conversation with a coworker today that it speaks oh, thank you so well to her as a human being that she gets him these jobs. Yes, and that he has now directed three of her most recent movies. Yep, but it's not great for her career, even though it just the loy. I respect the loyalty and everything I've heard about. People who have met her say she's truly, she's a workhorse. She's a woman of the people. She did Mike and Molly long after she got the Oscar nomination. She yeah. was just, she was just going to do it as, l- as long as CBS wanted her to do the show. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just who she is. And like, but she, like, go she, back she, to she's, she's loyal and she, she's loyal <laughs> right. and she's a team player. Yeah. But Ben Falcone has directed um, a couple of her most her. savaged movies. Yeah. By critics, what's, Life of the it, party. what's what's weird? Well, Tammy is what I'm thinking. Oh. What's and weird is that they co-write these roles for her. He directs yeah. these roles, and it ends up being her worst role. Well, I th- I th- I've like th- Tammy. I've, I've done a lot of thinking about this over the years, in that you know Melissa McCarthy has put on the record that she writes some of these scripts because she does want to have some control over the characters yeah. that she's getting. Because she, and I was just listening to her on Fresh Air today. You know, she doesn't want to get these benign bloodless uh, yeah. roles where, where where their only job is to cheer on their husband or just be in her words like very pleasant like she's attracted to dynamic characters that are exciting and that push her out of herself and ultimately she said like that's what she thinks audiences want to watch are, yeah. are characters and McCarthy like gets her start doing characters like yeah. she, she's a great sketch actress and uh, but anyway so I mean, that's, you know, and she talked about this on Mark Marin earlier this year too, but like that, that, that stuff I've just been finding out recently, um, not, not her backstory, but what she specifically said about these parts. But, you know, when she co-writes these movies and then she gets dragged through the coals in the press who are saying like, this is demeaning, this is insulting to her, uh, this is so lowest common denominator that it makes me not like her anymore. Why are we, why are we letting this happen to Melissa McCarthy? Mm-hmm. And I have always thought, Hey, Melissa McCarthy is the one writing these roles. If these are the roles yeah. she wants to do, then you don't get to say 
like what Melissa McCarthy should be doing or what she what she most excels at because in her mind those those are roles that she gravitates towards and watching a movie like Can You Ever Forgive Me but I think it's present in obviously Bridesmaids and plenty of other things we've seen her in and in Mike and Molly even which I've just seen clips of right um, at award shows Um, but she is an actress of tremendous depth I think and and, an extraordinary pathos Um, and you can't I just don't think it's really fair to cherry pick around her about what she should be doing yeah. when it's incredible how much control she, yeah. she the, once she has gotten her, you know, she's gotten her power and stature in Hollywood. She's not only used it to help out the people close to her, that to for Mike and Molly to keep people employed. I mean, yeah. I think she's still behind the show, but she is getting, and it's, and it's like, it reminds me of Jessica Chastain. Like she is helping steer her own career. She is taking yeah. the reins. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's tricky. Um, it's tricky on that. O- only when it comes to what we should be, what we, what we should be saying or, or what we're saying Melissa McCarthy should be doing. And what I really respect out of her is I have heard for five or six years Oh, Melissa wants an Oscar so bad. She wants it so bad. But this is the first ostensible Oscar bait movie that she's done, which mm-hmm. means, like, Maybe she St. Was, Vincent, but not really. Right. She was not going to take a role that she didn't fully believe in to get that Oscar. Right. Because she very well could have. Well, and it's, it's yeah. interesting you say those words specifically because she gets the nomination for Bridesmaids because she believes in that character, because yeah. she commits to the bit. Yeah. She commits to the emotion in every scene, and it's not like she goes for broke, but she, even in some of her more outrageous comedies, and granted, I have not seen many of them, but she fully integrates herself into the character and into the situations that arise. Yeah, yeah. even like, I'm trying to think of like... One she doesn't of the, phone it in. She, no. She completely commits. One of the, like, I guess you could say lesser McCarthy's, like the roles, the Belle Fecone directs or that, mm-hmm. like the Tammy, there, what was the... um. Identity Thief. Mm-hmm. I saw oh, yeah, Identity. I didn't see that one. And she's very good in it. I That's mean, even when she's doing Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. No, I mean directing. I don't know. Oh, I don't know who directed that um, one. The King of Kong arcade documentary. Man. Oh, sure. Um, but no, she always, no matter what she's doing, she commits one hundred percent. I didn't see Happy Time Murders, but I bet she's one hundred percent committing. I was yeah. going to see Happy Time Murders, not just because it was the only movie available on Movie Pass for a long time. <laughs> But because even even if it was a total well, train wreck, you know, I, it's like it's enjoyable to watch. Well, her no, you think about like a, mo- a movie that I also really despise, the live action of the Jungle Book. Mm. I still give that kid credit for acting against Nothing. cartoons tennis yeah. balls. that weren't there. Yeah, um, or you know, yes, tennis balls, right? Um, I want to see how McCarthy operates against these. Yeah, you know, these. Uh, these I talk a lot puppets. about what I like in acting and. One time someone told me that inherently excludes all comedy because I like a certain level of vulnerability. But my... Watch my Spire the Heat. My example... Oh, those are good. My rebuttal was Melissa McCarthy. Like, yeah. it is such a level of total commitment that that is vulnerability. And she... Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's not often... I'll, I'll make it not negative. It's rare that we talk about comic performers who go for broke and physicality mm-hmm. in their cadence. Because she does have, you know, just like... Uh, just like a Jim Carrey or an Adam Sandler or Robin Williams, like Melissa McCarthy does have a very specific yeah. cadence and delivery to a lot of what she's saying. Like she is a comic persona, um, but we rarely talk about, and I guess you could with Jim Carrey, but not in all the roles about w- it's rare that these performers also let you into the head, the heads and hearts of their characters yeah. in a way that they're not just totally surface. Mm-hmm. And McCarthy revels in sharing that vulnerability yeah. without her, without making a big, sobby show of it yeah. in, in, in that I'm demanding an Oscar sort of way. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, especially with Lee Israel, who's a fascinating character. Mm-hmm. She's prickly. Like, but McCarthy's doing everything she can to repel you from her, and yet she is compulsively watchable. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you my favorite part? Yeah. Yeah. When um, the the one cute bookseller, uh, Dolly, Dolly Wells... The, mm-hmm. As soon as the credits rolled, oh, I, I was like, oh, her. yeah, that's who that was. I love her. I was trying to play. She has a good American when accent. She, Great American um, accent. When she basically, without saying it fully, like asks out yeah. Lee Israel, mm-hmm. what Melissa McCarthy does with her face uh, yep. in yeah. that like flash I millisecond. Mm-hmm. I agree. That stuck out to me, too. It's so good. She both like crumples. Well, no, I think what she does is she gets like one. one it's, it's a combination of yeah, things. She's like she's designed to shut down any emotion that comes right. in. You know, she does yeah. not have open emotional borders, as her girlfriend, her ex girlfriend Anna Devere Smith could yeah. tell you. How, I love that Anna Devere Smith had a half day of work on this movie, and she just <laughs> walks in and is like, "I just came in from a lecture. I'm yeah. not saying that, but just by my gate, you know it." But she's like this. You know, <laughs> Lee Israel has closed emotional borders. She's not letting anybody in. This one, Dolly Wells somehow kind of pricks through it. She 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 feels it. You get a little light, and then she sort of like crumples the piece of paper in her head, yeah. and then still feels brave enough in that moment to like while she's walking away, being like, "It'd be nice," yeah. or, or whatever the line is. It's very yeah. complex, zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was my favorite moment. Maybe and she's so good. She's so good. She's that, just so good. That Melissa McCarthy is I just think, so good. I think she's going places. Oh like, yeah. Hear me out. Can you hear? Can can I can I say something? I think adventure for a. May I? I, Yeah, may I adventure? She's got Moxie kid. Mm. Wow. The two she's got comic roles that I love of hers are from Saturday Night Live appearances. One is of course Sean Spicer. Naturally, the first the first time she came out as Sean Spicer is one of the hardest times I've ever laughed in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Fuck, I forgot about that. It is. So good. It's yeah. I now I want to rewatch it. And then the other one is And everybody was smiling. (laughs) (laughs) She got she gets the rage right so well. Yes. Um and then the other one is like Uh, from a few years before when she hosted, it was like a ranch dressing tasting. Oh, of course. And yeah. she squirts the ranch the, on well, her butt. The, the, the bit, so it's like, oh, she, I'll she's, have to look she's, this she's in a focus group test yes. for ranch dressing. <laughs> and, and and the people that, the two, it's three people, like two cast members and her. Mm-hmm. And, and one of them will be like, you know, what's great about this ranch is like, I have a bite and I just feel like I'm down on the farm. <laughs> and then the person who's conducting the focus group is like, oh, that's great. Let me write that down. And Melissa McCarthy's character is completely inarticulate and can't seem to get a like can't get a zinger yes. in. It's just like it's like it's a party in my mouth and my mouth is having a party. Like that's not what the line is, but she's just failing. And then and like, I ben think she says, does some mumbling of just what the other person. Yes, said. exactly, exactly. Okay, like trying to steal the bed. One of the funniest. And then like Ben was saying, it culminates in her squeezing ranch dressing all over her face. Mmm. Uh. I love. I think on the on that because I think she did that on her first SNL. Yeah, I and think she also right. did the the basketball coach who was being invested for um, uh, potential like uh, mal- oh, malpractice. Yes, and it, and it shows and it ha- shows like security footage of her just chucking basketballs at her players <laughs> for not working hard enough. <laughs> Uh, that was a good one because that was like a short one of their digital short film things, mm. not live. Oh, I don't know if it, I, don't, I guess I'm misremembering it, but those clips because that's how like, they would put the right, right, clips right. in. God damn it, she's so good. Mm-hmm. Do we want to talk about her in Bridesmaids? 
Well, I or mean, not yet. We're not there. Got, yet. Got, yeah, we can, We have barely we've talked about the movie. Not itself. at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we're freeform. I mean, I love everyone in this movie is gay. Yes. Even if they don't have to be, it's so yep. good. It's everyone so is gay. Yeah. Gay, gay, gay. They're not just. Gay, they're not gay, just gay. Gay. Most of them are nerds. <laughs> on top of it, gay yeah. nerds. Oh, oh, I've got a Noel Coward collector in mm. Los Angeles who's gonna love this. <laughs> Gonna love it. <laughs> and there's the one that loves his dog. Oh, when he thinks his apartment's He's on like, fire. I don't want these. <laughs> Take them back. Take your garbage off yeah, my your table. Garbage. <laughs> Take your garbage. But I. Th- so that's. The, I'm glad you bring that up because we. A moment that I find pretty tricky and pretty fascinating is. The, like we don't even realize that Melissa McCarthy and Richard E. Grant have gotten us, the audience, on their side until they're prank phone calling somebody mm. that his house is on fire <laughs> and his beloved dog is dying, and just the glee that they're taking it in. This is like Seinfeld level unlikable, mm. right? I love it. Yeah. yeah, I'm just saying, like it, it moves me <laughs> to laughter. It's great. <laughs> yeah, they. I can't say enough about how good they are and how good their chemistry is. Together as these yeah. characters. What I find they're... so go ahead, sorry. No, 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 that's it. What I find remarkable about their chemistry is that they're so electrifying to watch, while also meticulously building a codependent relationship mm-hmm. in a way that is like by the end of the movie, like when they have that final moment together, you know that they don't need to re-enter each other's lives. They're ultimately yeah. bad for each other. They're right. fueling each other's addictions. They're fueling each other's bad behavior, and they it's and a it's criminal a, it, behavior. It, yeah, yeah, of course. And it's a codependent relationship. Um, and that's one of the th- like I, I before seeing this movie, I saw a lot of chat online about how the film does a great job of illustrating, you know, relationships between gay men and lesbians, and I and that's absolutely there. Mm-hmm. But it it's not. It, it, I just and I'm not saying that people aren't saying there's more to it than that. But for me, I was also struck by how vividly they were sketching a codependent relationship. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Yeah, how you know they're not good for each other, but boys, boys, it's fun. Yeah. This, it, I mean, it's a movie without an antagonist, I think needs to be said. Mm-hmm. And, and it is so, you know, dramatically rollicking and satisfying. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not a major story, but it feels major. Like, nobody's stirring the, stirring the pasta sauce in, in yeah. the third act, but the tension is pretty fucking tight. Yeah. And you've gotten, you've gotten invested in a movie with very low stakes mm-hmm. that feel, not to go back to First Man, but absolutely astronomical. Mm. Yeah, she doesn't even go to jail. She like, gets her probation. Her is and, like... And, probation. And, and the most she was going to get is five years in jail. Yeah. Right. Which is not a small amount of time, but it's... She's ultimately, you know, forging... Yeah, Noel Coward and Dorothy Parker's signatures. She's earned thousands of dollars... Like how like is that a felony at that point? Right, yeah, thousands of dollars. Like it is versus thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right, yeah, it's petty crime. Yeah, she's not even she's making rent. Yeah, maybe buying some new. No, she's not getting. This is what I'm saying. It's a and and this is what you get from care of her cat. This is what you get from Hall of Center, and of course also Heller. It's actually kind of a perfect marriage of of sensibility. When I walked out of this, I was like, I want them to. Make another movie together. But the fact that, like I was saying earlier, like that, that a really key dramatic strand to this film is built upon the health care of a cat. Mm-hmm. But also just the stakes are, I need to make rent. I need to keep my cat alive. And I would like to write another book. Yeah. Those are the stakes. Yeah. Of course, it's much more probing than that. It's about loneliness. Um, but 
that's about opening your heart. It's about opening your heart. It's about opening it's about up those emotional borders. Learning borders. to not hide behind Dorothy Parker's voice. Or yeah, and and that's what's so beautiful about oh, the yeah. the forgery as metaphor. Yeah, she doesn't. She she's hiding behind. She's been writing all of these biographies, right? And she's telling other people's stories and as a career. And now she's say... doing her best work while still hiding behind the guise of Dorothy Parker. Yeah, doesn't she say in her final like caustic wit. testimony? Caustic wit. It was um, the first time I felt proud of my work. Well, and she, she, and and it's she felt that confidence because she was still hiding behind. Yes. And I, I just well, think that's so rich. And it's, I, I think that McCarthy really knows how to dial into it based on her own personal history, which is that, it's, I mean, I was listening to the Fresh Air today, but I remembered this from the Marin interview, which I would highly recommend listening to. She gets a little bit more into how she was kind of a fuck up, like in high school and then going into like her early 20s. Um, mm-hmm. uh, she's lucky she had such great friends that it were able to like push her to go to New York. But when she did stand up, she would go up as characters. She would don an enormous wig mm. and she went to FIT. So she would have like one of her friends, like give her some, you know, uh, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like garish frock. Mm. And she would go up and do characters. So mm-hmm. like Melissa McCarthy got her start. Yeah. She, because she was too scared to be vulnerable on stage as herself. So it actually, just like Lady Gaga, like Lady Gaga, like Melissa McCarthy. Anyway, I'm just saying, it's, it's interesting. Like her personal, her biography is tied into this character yeah. in that way as well. I actually don't know much about her personal. She's so a groundling. I listened to the Marin. Melissa, yeah, it's. Good. Oh, I knew she was groundling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's I don't. Know. And she was in the main company of the Groundlings for a very long time. Yeah. Okay, it's yeah. why she's so good on SNL. I mean, she was not just that she was working with those people. Yeah, but she's, she's classically trained yeah. in that in that sketch tradition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Groundlings, of course, is more character based than uh, UCB, for instance. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, much, yeah. Um, I love the Groundlings. I've taken a Groundlings class. You, you have? have? Mm-hmm. That's cool. I was a UCBer. Oh my what? God. Get out. Rivals. Rivals? I don't know. I had They're a friend who made it to level three at the Groundlings. Wow. And I went to her showcase, and it was amazing. Yeah. And, and she killed it. But my friend had a different sensibility, it was more about tone than it was character. And the sketches that she helped write were a little, uh, they, they were not as character driven as they were situational. And afterwards, her teacher went up to her and was like, I won't say her name, but like, you were incredible. Like, you have like a really bright future in this. But just so you know, like, you're definitely not advancing. You are, you are, she's like, you're amazing. You're in the wrong environment for this. You need to go to like UCB or something. Mm. You, yeah. Cause Groundlings characters and UCB is more like form. And I was never good at, like, like I have the opposite problem as Melissa McCarthy. I'm not good at committing to other people other than like... You're more of a marvelous Mrs. Maisel. The, yeah, I can like make my pain funny. And, right. And I was very good at coming up with like the the yes and witticism. Mm-hmm. But the caustic wit. Yeah. But the if I had... Wit. If I had to like... Be a truck driver, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I couldn't be trade. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I feel that. Mm-hmm. I feel that. Mm. Mm. But it was a fun class. I did. How many levels of Groundlings did you do? Just one. I did. Th- I did three of UCB. Wow! I had no idea the comedy background, the the history of comedy at this table. Look at us! Look at us! Ah. <laughs> Y'all just make me laugh so much, but I never knew. Now you have to do Second City, and then we're fully then we're represented. Done. Someone has to do IO. Do oh, IO. My roommate did City. IO. There I don't go. even know what that is. Improv like Olympic. A... Oh, oh yeah, sure. Um, what else? Do I... There's well, one after one. this diversion, <laughs> there was something I wanted to bring up about Kenya. And... Huh? 
Nothing. I'm going to get another glass of wine. Sure. Mm. There's plenty to talk about. I think it's just a matter of how much we want to reveal about our own selves. I know. <laughs> and, and, I think and that's how, a And lot. how perfectly this movie gets the idea of like, you're living, and this this was like me in my first apartment after college. Oh, no, 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 during college, but like 2011. No, 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 summer of 2012. I remember I was dating a guy, and it was the middle of the summer, and my cat mom had, had this is where the name comes from, she had, had four kittens, and the house was, I was living with, you know, people who are still friends, but I, but I think they would admit, like, slobs. Um, I think they would, I think I'm allowed to say that. But it was like, the house was covered in cat hair, um, there were kittens, so they weren't necessarily like potty trained. Mm-hmm. It was n- we didn't have air conditioning, and it's like a hundred degrees outside. Shit under every piece of furniture. No, yeah, well, that's shit. not that's not quite what I'm getting at. But like dishes, like piled up to the sink because yeah. people would make meals and not not me, but um, but would make meals and not clean them up. Um, and I remember this guy coming over, and we'd been dating for like a month or two at that point. Like we were hot and heavy, mm-hmm. and like his face when he walked in. Mm-hmm. I didn't even clock. You don't realize I didn't even it. clock that yeah. I was living in some form of squalor. And that right? that reminds me of like one of the saddest moments in this movie, which I think is when they walk in and she thinks the fly problem is a fly problem, but it's she has flies it's because her dirt place is problem. Her, it's a her shit place is problem. Filthy, and she's so she has such shame. Yeah. And oh, she, and that and McCarthy she telegraphs like it so beautifully. Grant back out the door, yeah. and she's like. I'll clean it or whatever. Yeah. And then and he's like, I don't care. And then he comes back in. It's, it's very sweet. Lee. Yeah. Lee, it's, I'll help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's scooping the poop. It's just, it's. It, uh, it looks like the the art installation in the square have all those mounds of dirt uh, underneath her bed, but it's <laughs> piles of cat shit. It's piles, piles of cat poop. But no, but I mean, McCarthy, once she closes that door, and it's also what, what she's doing is she's been projecting this authority in her building about how she's like, I am like behind on my rent and I'm sorry about that. But at the end of the day, I deserve to live in, in a, where there is a standard of living that is humane and hospitable. So you have to do something about this fly problem. And then when the guy finally comes to spray, she's like, finally, this is being taken care of. And she is, she's displaying it's, it's certainly not pride, um, but she's displaying a, a level of, confidence and authority and the way that McCarthy goes she pivots so quickly to shame when she realizes when she gets that reaction which isn't like it's not even like oh I think there's something in here like everyone like their 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 throats are filled with toxins you know what I mean they're like oh my god and and then once she's alone when she's alone in her house just (gasps) the way that just the the guilt and the embarrassment just ripples across her face Mm -hmm. I mean McCarthy man it's very beautiful yeah I mean it's you know what I mean. Zero, yeah, sure. Fucking love this movie. Me too. I think that, I mean, so, you know, I was saying earlier, there's no antagonist. There's also very few characters, and sure, they're all mm. gay, mm. but, like, there's plenty of secondary characters that yeah. are collectors, but we don't get too, we, we get an idea of who their characters are, right. but we don't spend much time with them. Right. We need to talk about Jane Curtin. We do need to talk about Ugh. Jane Curtin, but let me just, let me just finish this point. I want whatever, like, skin treatment she's getting, because... She looks amazing. To, she does. To to she, quote, um, she does not look that much older than like thirty. To rock, to quote, rock to quote Ray Fines in the Grand Budapest Hotel talking to Tilda Swinton's embalmed corpse. I don't know what they're putting on you, dear, but I want some. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 
She looks great. I like dragging Tom Clancy through the dirt. Oh, that was really I, that, good. that Clancy is a character in the movie with his little brandy sifter. Is it meant to be revealed later that that's, that that's who that, Clancy? That, yeah, that was yes. the asshole yes. who was. Talking. Oh, I didn't even put that together until you just said it. There's yeah. no such thing as writer's block. It's just an excuse to justify writer's laziness. You, when that scene happens, it's funny. You think it's just mm-hmm. some asshole, but then later the bit comes when back and you realize Tom Clancy. Clancy. It's Clancy. What's great about that is she is that Lee leaves that room in disgust and goes into another room where there's these two women on the couch and they're like I found that the postmodern pastiche of the novella was leaving me a little bit dry in the mouth like <laughs> just like that that really obnoxious not actually talking about anything mm-hmm. intelli- intelligentsia that the movie does a great job of obscuring Do- without she, being Buñuelian about it doesn't yeah. she like pronounce a word wrong probably too? yeah I feel I like she that, pronounces pastiche right. like really like pastiche yeah I, I don't know I feel like she literally goes the pastiche of it. And I'm like, is that supposed to, I don't know. Maybe You're like, is that movies? I know the pastiche <laughs> of it all. Me. Um, I, I, um, eh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I had nothing to say. Nothing at all. I have no words. I'm I just, this movie leaves me speechless. It's a very good movie. What was I going to say? It's in my top five right now. I think it hooks in. Just let me get this out of the way. Yeah. It hooks into the rhythms of Lee's life and just a completely almost, uh, it's almost like not susceptible. Like you're not even aware of the fact that you're being lulled into her own world, her own routine. Mm-hmm. So that when it finally does break in that moment where they enter into the apartment and you actually realize that she's the, 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 the infrastructure around her she's life and her routine. Well, she's not just living in filth. It's like the film does a great job of establishing a break in that routine in a way that is subconscious um, because it is very simply, but uh, stringently establishing this one, who this woman is, what her life is, what she does, and it reminds me much. And this is not a joke of John Dealman, like when she finally, like you know, when she drops a potato, when the, or or if the yeah. shoe falls out of her hand. Mm-hmm. Like the film does such a great job of establishing the rhythms of Leah Israel's life that yeah. that when things start to go wrong, like I was getting back to, the stakes are very low. It's not like. Uh, you know, certainly there's moments where we see the facts of her coming through and we find out that the FBI is talking about her. But um, I, I just think that it's introduced in a very subtle way that if you weren't if the film wasn't forcing you to ingratiate yourself into who this yeah. woman is and how she lives her life, it wouldn't register in the same sort of, you know, uh, like jerk out of reality yeah. way. The um, the other scene that stands out is uh, when she goes to the like the archival library and like pulls. that's like the mission impossible him like yeah. Tom so lowering of, from the ceiling of low stakes elevated to yeah. like extreme right. tension totally that scene works I was panicked I was like oh, I God. was too is she gonna pull it off I, I, I was like, saying if, if make it stop caught, yeah. if she got caught it would be it would be like a slap on the hand like please leave like yeah. that would be her punishment yeah. and yet it You're feels right. like fucking life or death you think she's it feels like the stirring of the sauce and goodfellas like and again yeah. it, that's fucking scorsese nothing's as good as that sequence when it right. comes to panic anxiety dread and tension but it kind of like nevertheless like i was panicked yeah, yeah. You, you you are panicked with the character and ultimately she is swapping out two pieces of paper and like, in the no yale one, library no one that security guard the fact- even if he saw her do it, probably wouldn't even know what she was doing. And the lady at the counter... Like, who gives a fuck? No one would give a fuck. And yet it feels like life or death, and I love that. And the that. reason why is because, and again, because Holof Center is such a uh, sharp screenwriter when it comes to detecting and illustrating human foibles and, and, and the gradients of human behavior and how we register that against one another. And Harriel... Harriel... 
Mariel yeah, Heller. I think I've made that mistake. Yeah, Mariel Heller, Hello, the, <laughs> the Little Mermaid, mm-hmm. is so good at you know at establishing these dynamics as a director, like in situating these characters in out. the scene. Um, no, I'm just gonna oh, push the back closer. No, it's like the, the the tension starts in that scene because the woman says, "Oh, so the woman who's writing the novel about drunk writers, here are you doing next?" Yeah. And she's like, "I'm kind of in a rush," and like the faux pas yeah. is so alarming and jarring. I love that. Yeah, and I love that she apologizes. She, after. Yeah, I love it too. Be, I, lo- and, I love. You know, that. she's it's a really nice. Touch. She's like, "Can you ever forgive me?" And she's like, mm. "Yeah, go catch your bus." Of course, I yeah. Do. No, it's it is. I'm it pouring is, chips. That detail is so important because her not entertaining the the front small desk talk. small talk is you know alert it could be what are you gonna do next oh god I think she just wants to engage in the niceties I want to read Leah's real book sits on Tallulah at Bankhead sad desk all day she just wants she to just talk wants about talk, talk to the writer yeah. yeah the writer's the most the writer person. from New York City, yeah, who, who is published. Think about all the asshole dudes that are walking in there yeah. every day. She in has New a, Haven. Wait, I know we talked about this, but can we go back to it really quick? What else is? We gonna, can talk about whatever you want, Brandon. What else is gonna get into adapted? So it's Beale oh, Street. Beale Street. First Man. Black Klansman. First Man. Can, can you, you ever forgive me? me? And A Star Is Born. That's it. Those who are, that's who my else could predict. take? Can you ever forgive me? Slot. I'll look up. The favorite's oh original, right? Yeah, yes. I think so. Okay. No, so that's I where think, my mind was I going I think you guys too. are right. I think it has it in. I think it has that fifth slot. Guys, what if Nicole Holofs... I mean, and like Ben was saying, we're more invested, Brandon. But what if Nicole Holofs in our wins an Oscar this year? She next won't, year? but I wish. Well, why not? I mean, her... It com- is such I mean, a perfect screen. And, and, you know, Ben's favorite movie of the year will be nominated, if Bill Street Could Talk. But and now think, that, and, and now that this has stopped folks like Tarantino, even though there was like 15, 20 years between his writing Oscars, Barry would be winning back to back screenplay Oscars. Um, it's been I'm sure that's been done before, but for I don't know I feel like Jenkins has more of a shot in director this year, but I also haven't seen the movie. So I'm just saying like if if, if that becomes part of the conversation and oh Beale Street's a twenty four right? No, it's Annapurna. Oh, it's Annapurna. I'm saying if it was Fox Searchlight, then they would have to figure out how they're gonna position these two contenders. I don't know. I guess right. all I'm saying is like Nicole Holofcener is pretty beloved, I believe, by her That's peers. True. And 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 even though like Barry Jenkins is just starting his career. Was enough said a, nominated for screen? No, but it was it was, it was talked about. It was talked close. about as a contender. Yeah. yeah. I just I just wonder if and it's not like an overdue thing, but if there's the feeling of we can award Nicole Holofcener for lovely and amazing walking and talking, friends with money, please yeah. give Oh please give. I know. God I love please give. I love all of her movies except the one that's currently on Netflix. Yeah, um, most and people then original are predicting Bill Street, Widows to get a nomination. Oh, Widows over First Man, which I think is wrong. No, I think First Man has to. Get I agree. I can't remember. People are really discounting. I, I, I slept through it. Right, I was right, supposed right, to, right, and right, right. I overslept. I think. Sleepy yeah, boy. I think for the sleepy boy. Sleep. Sleepy boy. Sleep. But original is Anne Thompson because she's Anne Thompson. Things leave no traces. The fifth nominee. <laughs> Ann Thompson said something in the last episode of Screen Talk where she's like, hopefully there'll be room for movies like Leave No Trace. And look, I get it. <laughs> like, people aren't talking about it, but yeah. they should. Some mm-hmm. people are saying it could get in a wall. Ben, but... ben had a funny joke in our group chat on the day of the Gotham Award nominations. Which Hello. Is, Daniel, congratulations on all your Gotham Award oh, yeah, nominations. Because, like, all of my favorites got so nominated. So, wait, was that for first reformed or eighth grade? Or both? All, first reformed, eighth grade, Leave No Trace, Madeline's Madeline. Everything you love. Everything I love got in there. I love Madeline's Madeline. I, 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 um, 
Friend of the podcast, Baltimore Andrew, did not. Did not, like, oh, Madeline's rude. Madeline. Wait, I want to talk about original screenplay just very quickly. Roma wins. Right? I don't know. Favorite. I think Yorgos Lanthimos could win. I, don't I feel know. like that uh, could very well be something that they give him. The favorite got like a such a reaction in my. They love can to you give ever a director a consolation crowd. prize in the writing the trailer. Category. Right. What else is an original? It would be Green Book. Did you see? Did <gasps> you see Green Book? Did you see David Sims's letterbox log of Green Book? Yes, I didn't so read it. Hey, hey, why is all this racism in the South? Hey, from from, yeah, it's pretty oh, funny. Oh yikes! Yeah, it's pretty funny. That movie's gonna. Remember fuck when you me. walked into? That movie's good. I, I, I saw the trailer. And <laughs> Remember when you walked in for the last five minutes of the trailer and we gave each other a look? That movie <laughs> is going to be... A Best Picture nominee. Like Uncle Vernon to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! I'm glad we all can just refer to him as Uncle Vernon. I thought that might have been too Harry Potter. Oh, I'm just now realizing that's a Harry Potter. I knew. Reference. I knew immediately. And I wasn't sure that you got it. I was like, oh, yeah, Uncle Uncle Vernon. Uncle His Monty. name is Monty. Yeah, Uncle Monty. Monty. Montague Withnell. I think. Um, are we talking about homework now? No, 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 no. It looks like original is. I'd like to talk a little bit more about Kenya. Vice. I don't think we have time. Why? Oh, okay. Vice. We're digressive today. Oh, Vice. The favorite. The favorite. Roma. Of course. Green Book. Ew. And The First Reformed. Oh, First Reformed. Okay, any closing thoughts on... Bridesmaids. On Bridesmaids? Closing thoughts on... Can You Ever Forgive Me? Good movie, IMO. I loved it. Yeah, pretty great stuff. I want to see it again. I feel like no one has anything bad to say about it. Uh, No one, like... I mean, I know world. this is the fourth time we've <laughs> talked about the Metacritic score. Yeah. But, <laughs> but literally no one has anything bad yeah. to say No, about what it. we're doing is we're that establishing is... a routine that we're going to break when I say this is not a problem with the movie for me. And I think that the movie is very clearly situated in AIDS era in New York City. You've got the silence equals death sticker and the Julius window. You've got Richard E. Grant talking about all his, how all his friends are dead. Mm-hmm. Would have loved to talk more about Richard E. Grant, who's kind of oh, incredible well, we in this movie. Oh, we can talk about him with, with Nell. And the cinnamon roll flirting of it all. Yeah, yeah, we'll, mm. we'll talk about him in a minute. Heat um, up that cinnamon roll. I, I, mm-hmm. I actually, I, I thought that Ben so might funny. bring this up because I know that Ben sometimes has problems with well, movies where gay sex ends up leading to tragedy. Oh. Um, and I, I ultimately oh, I didn't even think about that. Ultimately, ultimately, it's not. It, you know, I don't. It doesn't break. It, it's not a huge problem for me. Yeah. But um, the way I think that there's like a tidiness to the Richard E. Grant's mm. character um, contracting HIV, or maybe he might have already been positive, but um, right. And but, we just didn't but know having AIDS. Um, the way that it, that it seems to be connected to his downfall with Lee, which is connected to him picking up the cinnamon roll guy, um, like that. Bing bang boom to me is just not as nuanced as the rest of the film. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it's a problem. It I'm didn't sure. bump for me. I think because the milieu is so gay. To, absolutely, so absolutely. I think I just like I, it I didn't think, I think I just yeah, I think what I'm getting I wasn't at, bothered because I think it's implied that he was he was having sex with a lot of men. Ab- absolutely, and it could have been any. No, it absolutely, been anyone and, outside of and cinnamon. I, and I kind of want to. I want to do what I wish I had done on the first main episode where I said. Damien Chazelle doesn't care about empathy, which is not true. What I meant to say is Damien Chazelle doesn't seem to care about the characters apart from his protagonist. So that's it. I'm, I'm, I've just now cleaned the record on that. You did but a I, uh, New York Times... Uh, a correction? Correction at the bottom. And now I'll do a New York Times correction for the New York movie. Um, my my issue is is not is not that last scene. My, my issue... And it's not an issue, but the fact that 
the fact that him having sex with the guy leads to the cat dying right and leads to the dissolution of their friendship and it's fine right it's fine because i totally believe it i believe it in the character i believe it in the world um but for for you know a movie that is i think quite gay a movie that is ostensibly gay just like the one time that someone actually hooks up Mm. that it leads to tragedy it's fine. That's fair. It's fine. I think that's totally fair. Yeah. And, it, and this is a gradient. I, I get this four stars on Letterboxd, and I'm already like, I think I'm four and a half. I think I got to bump it. Mm. I think I'm four and a half. I haven't given yeah, it. Yeah, I think I'm four and, and a half. Mm. Um, I'll certainly be seeing it again in theaters. Five and a half. And I will say my half. Five and a fart. My no, 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 this is not a fart. My half star dog is simply because the actual, like, the plot of the plot like you can guess all of those narrative beats. I blame like, the trailer, but I bet you didn't see the trailer because you don't do that. Right? I did. Yeah. I saw the trailer eight hundred times. The trailer at the landmark cinema. But they, they sorry, real quick, Ben. Sorry to hijack. But what's interesting about this trailer is they played it nonstop in the spring, and then I didn't see it once I, in yes, once in the right. summer. Also, and then I saw there's ton there's no. But the, I had no idea how gay the movie was. Yeah, neither I did I. The only reason I started finding out how gay it was because the people logging it. Right. The trailer mm-hmm. hides. All of it, yeah. right? It's, but 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 it doesn't hide the plot points. Yeah, like, all of no. the plot points are in the yeah. In and, the and and that's where I'm with you. On, that's where I'm with you on that, Ben. Like, but it's just like it's so the the human to human relationships are so fresh. Yeah, and that's and Heller and that's Hall of Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it, it it elevates it. It it sort of reminds. Actually, this is a terrible example, but I'm already talking, and this will probably you know a couple people listening will like that I mention it. But it's how the reason why it's a bad example because these are opposite sensibilities that together create this really delicious uh, dessert. I was going to say it's like with Fincher and Gillian Flynn coming together on Gone Girl. Gillian! Gillian. Sorry. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I thought it was Gillian. No, it's Gillian. Okay. Gillian Jacobs? Gillian Gillian's Gillian Island. Armstrong, maybe? I don't know. I'm just digging. Andrew Gillum, candidate for governor in Florida. I don't killed even, it, like, crushed love it on her, the debate. But I'm, I'm like very passionate about pronouncing her name. Okay. Right. Well, I was, just, I was just gonna say this is a beautiful marriage of director and writer, but actually they share some sensibilities when it comes to human to human, uh, the human to human of it all. Um, so bad example, but Gone Girl is a great film, and I'm excited to see Gillian Flynn and Steve McQueen team up in Widows. Widows. Okay, are we doing Widows? Yeah, we, we are. are. The last thing I want to say is, well, Your I day. think that's brave about. Um, <laughs> when she's counting the money scene and it ends with her saying, if you steal from me again, I'll fucking kill you. I think that's very brave of them to have in the movie. I do too. If she wants an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 like, let me frame it. Not on the integrity of the filmmaking, but on the yeah. crassest level Yes. Here. Oh, that because it makes her seem too... It's very, unlike, yeah. Aggressive. It's I, very, and I very abrasive, Zero. Shit, but it's like... This is the Fox Searchlight movie. And, like, I know that Fox Searchlight like, does she's... do edgy stuff, but I don't associate them with being the edgy Oscar. I thought the scene with Anna DeVere Smith was pretty edgy. It is. In, in terms of grappling with the failings of a relationship mm-hmm. that are one-sided. You know, it's like earlier when, when Lee says that her last relationship didn't work out because, you know, and she says this totally serious, like, she wanted me to, like, be friends with her friends uh-huh. and, and the, all this shit. And it's funny. Also, what what should be said about McCarthy is that she has a very deft touch in this characterization and that... I she, thought you were chugging wine. <laughs> <laughs> he's not Emily Blunt's in Girl on the Train. We should have done that. Yes, he is. Look what he's drinking out of. Out of a Nalgene. 
<laughs> behind the trash can. And now Gene Siskel. That doesn't even look like a production still. It looks like a BTS photo. <laughs> it probably was. Did you, did you see the movie when she realized what kind of movie she was she in? She was like, oh, fuck. I that do what so at the end. God, that movie's bad. Allison Janney's bad in that movie. The whole movie's horrible. Yeah, and you know, love, and it, love Allison love Janney. It. It's salacious entertainment. I've read the book. Speaking of it's, Gillian. It's, it's, it's like, you know, like Gillian and Gone Girl. What's great about that is that it's sort of elevated pulp. And, and Hitchcock is elevated pulp, right? Girl on the train it is wallows just in fucking pulp. pulp. No, no, no. But what I'm saying is, is like it's not even self-conscious in a way to say, we know what this is. We know you know what this is. We're going to treat it seriously, but we're also going to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. Girl on the train just takes it way too seriously and forgets to have fun with it. Yeah. And, and that's where it becomes fun is how self-serious Emily it Blunt. is. Who? Emily Brunt. Bubble bath. Bubble bath. <laughs> Emily Brunt in a bubble bath. <laughs> Gingo Baloba. Oh, fuck. Do you have some bridesmaids? <laughs> Let's go on to bridesmaids. Speaking of Maya Rudolph. Fuck, that's That's why I said fresh. on to bridesmaids. Fuck, that's fresh. He also said you need dental work. <laughs> oh, what does Ellie Kemper say to Wendy McLevin on the plane? Oh, oh you're like a, you're, you're look a, like Cinderella. You're a beautiful <laughs> goddess. <laughs> I want, you're a beautiful princess. I don't know what she says. Something great. Bridesmaids is the funniest movie of the past 10 years. Correct. Correct. Um, I think it's this, some really beautiful and smart things about friendship in general. Correct. Female friendship it specifically. It was the first, the first like female friendship movie of, of the new decade. I feel like that's a claim that we would want to investigate. But Yeah, I don't think that's well, right. Well, of the in, new in, decade. In terms of a mainstream studio comedy. In, in terms of a mainstream studio oh, comedy. It's cer- yeah. it's certainly one of, the, of one of the one of one of the first in the last so what eight years to treat female friendship seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, I was expecting and have fun with it. I was expecting on this rewatch to have to dock it. Yeah, because of the Chris O'Dowd of it all. He's fun. oh, just because he's a cop. No, just because I think ending uh, with heterosexual. Coupling. It ends with heterosexual coupling, but it, it doesn't, is called bridesmaids. <laughs> but it doesn't because it then doubles back back to the Wilson Phillips. Right. So it does not literally end on it, but no. I I still credits roll, but I still would cut the subplot of romance personally. The Chris O'Dowd of it all is a is not. I, I'm still able to fully forgive it. Yeah, and he's. I think it's that, his best thing he's ever. It's the best thing he's ever done. I think that and he's more do. of a reward than an endpoint mm. because her arc is so much more about learning how to take accountability and mm-hmm. learn how to trust mm-hmm. other people. Mm-hmm. It's a reward, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but also it's proof of trust. Mm-hmm. But but and then when it comes to her learning to take accountability, yeah, the way that the tail lights of it all are tied in mm-hmm. with with that character, I think is really smart. It's a perfect movie to me. Thank you for listening. I so I uh, something that pretty damn great to me. Yeah, Not a, a problem movie. that I had with this movie when it came out was that it felt so rushed. Like every yeah. scene just feels clipped a little too short. Really? Yes. And but it's a two-hour, fifteen-minute. I'm aware of that. Yeah. I'm, I, I know. I know. It packs a lot in. Watching it now, I don't so much have the problem. It's 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 a it's a it's a um, it's a feature, not a bug, if anything, because I just every single time we cut, I want more. You just want more. And it makes me more. actually really respect the editing. It's sharp. It pushes the narrative yeah. forward. It it, it it does a really great job of, of both making the cut comic, but finding that right beat to end yeah. on. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the film. What's your name? Really Stove. This is an appliance. Well, my Help name is Steve. Help me, I'm poor. 
I'm trying to think what is the line that I do think is the funniest because there was one in particular that every time I laugh I laugh I really laugh a lot it makes me laugh I truly chuckle and it is the airplane scene that I laugh it's 1999 civil rights that line yes it's the the 90s it's civil rights I think Jenna Maroney at one point also makes an it's the 90s joke in yes. the year 2011 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Mm. That joke always gets me. <laughs> and I say it's the 90s a lot. A lot like in this political climate, I'm often like, can you believe this is happening? It's the 90s. <laughs> to lighten the mood. <laughs> Um, and it does need to be lightened. And I love that Melissa McCarthy gets the 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 get yourself together yes, monologue, the downbeat scene, yes, as opposed yes. to the man, yeah, or as opposed yep. to anyone else in the movie. But and she's still, it's, and it's a beautiful scene because, and you know, she she's telling Kristen Wiig to stop feeling sorry for herself, but she's yeah. also saying you've hurt me, yeah, because you're saying that you don't have any friends and yes. look who's right in front of you. I, I think that's so great. I think it's beautiful, yeah. Yeah. and that she still manages to end the scene on a comic note that is could only like be Melissa McCarthy, where she's giving her a hug and she's like. Okay, but you really got to wash your hair, <laughs> which I love. It's, I think it's, I it, love the presumption that they are already friends. Yes. That is because they're not. Right. But I believe that Melissa McCarthy believes that they are great. They've, they've incredible been incredible friends. They've been yes. through some pretty memorable moments yeah. together. Why wouldn't they be? Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, love her introduction. Um, just everything she says kills me about like, you know, falling off the boat, falling off the boat and the Hitting dolphin, every... like, I guess he, he was speaking more through me than to me. <laughs> but then also when she's like, Oh, where am I? I'm like, Megan, just blah, 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 blah. Look at me. This must be your man. Hey, great to meet you. <laughs> and then she's like, that's not my gun. He's like, and then, you know, this is classic, but she's like, well, glad to hear that because I'm going to find him later and climb him like a tree. <laughs> and when the steams, when she said the steams coming out of her, her undercarriage and this smacks her calf after she's uh, thrusted it up on the wall of the airplane this performance um being nominated for an oscar is one of the most exciting nominations like of that decade i think i agree um just the fact that the decade we're in it's not even like the best rose byrne gives the best supporting character i am our best performance in the movie yeah it's not even the best performance in the movie kristen wig is the best i think kristen wig is the best rose byrne is the better supporting performance i actually think most mccarthy that's great. I, mean, I think she's I, I third best, and the fact I mean, that the, she's I would have nominated all three. It's a phenomenal ensemble. Yeah, yeah, ensemble. Ensemble. Was it nominated for the SAG Ensemble? Yes, it was. Blast. <gasps> Good. I'm and glad. I guess you know, Kristen Wiig did get nominated. Her as what right is whore. yeah? What and is Mumolo? What is the bleached asshole line? And I love it. I love my new asshole. <laughs> so good. But before it, the her asshole is bleached. And you know how I know? Because I went with her. Yes. So I'm glad yes. you bring up that moment because it's important because it's not just hilarious. <laughs> and watching Maya Rudolph rage is always great. But Maya is playing the straight man in this movie, which is hilarious mm-hmm. on paper when you've watched her play so many hysterical characters on Whitney SNL. Houston. Of course. Oh, SNL. <laughs> um, it, uh, yes. Diane Warwick. But, mm. yes. But she's, <laughs> but, but Maya, Maya. Do what, Ed? Watch Kimmy Schmidt now on Netflix. But Maya, Maya Rudolph is. Is the second half out? No. Sorry. Maya Rudolph is both giving this hilarious explosion and resetting the perspective of the movie because mm-hmm. we're in Annie's head the whole time and everything she's doing, her her vendetta against Helen, it is all 
justified yeah. because she's our protagonist. But Maya Rudolph is literally shaking her and us, the audience, to be like, let's remember this for a second. Yeah. It's my wedding. It's my life. And you, like, in, on, at like every single turn, it's not that you've just sort of misplanned the moment, but you are taking the focus away from me and you are making this less fun for me and you are ruining what is supposed to be one of the most important moments of my life. It's also the most definitive, like, I am super close with Rose Byrne. Yeah, yeah. Like, this evidence. No, that's we what, that's what I mean. bleached our assholes together. Like, no, no, that, no, that's like, what I mean. Like, she's not a villain, Annie. Yeah. Stop treating her like Yeah, one. like, I know I've only known her a year. We are incredible. Close. You're not it's acting like, like this for me. Yeah. You know? And I like the shading of the Road, Rose Byrne character. When she comes to Kristen Wiig, I mean, yeah, it's to help her look for Annie because she's yeah. missing. Or Annie, who's who? Maya Rudolph. Yeah. Um, but she also apologizes. Mm-hmm. And she also she has, says, I'm sorry, I replaced And there's you. a self-awareness. Well, because yes. she says, I yes. have no female friends. I feel like people only want to hang out with me because I'm good at organizing things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is I, real. I, I love the... Um, empathy for the Rose Byrne character. She's not just like full bitch. Right. Not at all. She's hilarious. And, and and Ro- Rose good. Byrne should have been nominated for Spy. I think she's the oh best my thing. God. I'm a big fan of the Neighbors films. I think she's the best oh, thing about so them. Oh, she's so good in Neighbors. She's very good in both the Neighbors. I didn't pros- ever, I never saw things. the second one, but she's very It's good. good. It's not as good as the first one, but it's, it's really good. It's as good as the first one. Thank it's basically you. as good as the first one. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but Rose Byrne in Spy, and also I think Melissa McCarthy should have been nominated. I, can, I can't remember if she was on my ballot, because that's Carol year. That's 45 years oh, year. Oh, Spy? That's Phoenix. So my nominees that year would have been... Um, Blanchett, Mara, Rampling, uh, Nina Haas, and mm, I don't know. I don't Melissa know McCarthy for Spy. No, no, uh, yeah, and Saoirse in Brooklyn. Saoirse. Yeah, that would have been my five. Mm. Y'all know, like, I low-key, like, Lady Bird is the better film, but Brooklyn is the one that, like, I kind of like more. That's it's. Nice. I mean, I That's love. Great. No, no, and I, I. Any day of the week, I choose Lady Bird. It's the better film. But when I think about what she's doing in Brooklyn, I mean, it's the letter. Think, the think, letter to her mother halfway through. I mean, God. I think Brooklyn might be her better performance over Lady Bird. I, I don't think so, but I get it. I get it. I'll, a little, a little window into my life. I think I may have said this on here before, but next to my television at home, I have. Three things. I have a copy of Frederick Wiseman's High School 2 that I've been borrowing for going on two years now from a friend of mine. Is that longer or less time than he has had your Longer? Oh, no, no. Less time. Less time. Wait, you have a copy of Frederick High School 2. High School 2. There's a sequel to High School? Correct. High School is like his second movie. High School 2 comes out in, it's the 90s, I think. It's the 90s. It's also about four hours long. But so I have High School 2, which one day I will give back to my friend Matt, who just, um, I'm sure he'll never hear this, so he wouldn't mind saying so he works at the academy he just went to austin texas and had dinner with shelly duvall <gasps> for three hours and wrote a very her health he basically so he wrote a big thing on facebook he, he was like she's 70 percent there okay she's 70 percent there but there's also like 10 percent that thinks that aliens are trying sure. to steal her identity and there's 20 percent that is just like deteriorated due to mental illness yeah. as well um but wrote a really beautiful thing and and uh and he said that shelly has a crystal clear memory when it comes to making all of those movies and the new Hollywood and everything. And the way that she talks about working with Bob Altman. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's 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 I'll share it with you guys. It's uh, really cool. I love her so much. Um, and he has like pictures with her and oh oh and um and he said this sort of rattled her a little bit, like she didn't know how to take it in, but he mentioned how someone had just organized like a, a Shelley Duvall appreciation night at the Bob Baker Marionette Theater, not to get too mm. regional here in LA. And they like gave her a poster. I'll share it with you guys, it's really cool. But the other two things I have next to my television are screeners of Ladybird in Brooklyn, which nice. are always there. I love that. Mm. I didn't realize it was looking a high something school up? too. Well, I was looking up high school because I want to watch it, and it's it's a tight ninety or an eighty even. It's a tight seventy five. So nice. ooh, so here's the thing about Weissman, and this is like it's not that it's a super interesting point or anything, but his first like five or six are all super short, around ninety to two. Yeah, I think like Welfare might be the first one that cracks like two and a half, and like Juvenile Court is two forty five, but pretty extraordinary. But if you're looking for a way into Weissman, but you've always been really intimidated by those lengths. Watch the first few because they're really and they they give you a very clear idea of his style, which was like mm. right out of the gate there, um, and and they'll they'll get you interested and to explore more. I'm gonna try and see Monrovia, Indiana, if I have time. On I'm in New York. In New York, in yeah. nice the Big Apple. Shall we talk about the land of steady habits? What a great film. Yeah. So um, what a good film. I can't yeah. sit on this. I can't. Uh, are you doing Jenny Slade and Big Mouth? <laughs> yes, you caught it. I caught it. Ah, I caught it. My sports bras, Kirkland bread, they also make water. <laughs> Nathan Fillion? I love Nathan Fillion. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who's her humping worm? Oh, I don't think I've thing worm. Yet. She's a worm that she humps. <laughs> She has a very public orgasm in the gymnasium. Okay, but no spoilers. I'm, you know, I'm on the last episode of season one. It's not a spoiler. Last well, episode it kind of season is. one. It's not a spoiler. That was me imitating Rose Byrne and Kristen mm. Wiig in the car. Mm. Oh, I'm nice. not an ugly cry. I'm not ugly. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> like when she does her chin. <laughs> mm. I'm not ugly. I, I don't really I don't think people change oh and, uh, I think oh that I think, one I think, too. We, I think we change every day well not really like you know we grow and but we don't really change at the end of the day I, I don't agree with that and they just stare at each other yeah <laughs> that's how the scene ends They're just like Cancun <laughs> 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 I just have one more thing oh okay Cancun <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! So the land of steady habits. Than mean girls. Thank land you of steady so habits is trying to be the ice storm when it comes to malaise and obsolescence mm. and uh, the upper class suburbia and the way that the parents are acting like the kids joke. and the kids are acting like the parents. And ultimately, if I have to choose between the land of steady habits and the hand of steady limits, I will always take Katie Holmes's hand. I don't know the joke. I mean, it, this is about as niche as it gets, but. Uh, I don't really feel like I don't want to talk about Land of Steady Habits further. But yeah, you, I don't think I have anything else to say other than Carmela fucking loves her garden. Best scene in the movie. And Ben Mendelsohn is good at eating things or holding food. Popsicles, mm. pizza boxes, good at holding food. Thomas Mann, hot IMO. Absolutely, I agree. Great. All right, moving on. Moving on to Withnal and I. Withnal and I, which is the <laughs> one. Withnal and I. Which is, oh, Withnal and I. Withnal and I. Hot. Oh, Withnal. Uh, Richard E. Grant, hot in his red sweater and blue pants and his ass in his and wire frames. That, why are you come around with an ass like that? Why do you come around with an ass like that? <laughs> Pete McGabe, what's his name? McGann, Paul McGann. Brandon, <laughs> Pete can, I, McGann. can I get a quick time check? We're ninety minutes. Okay, um, because I just want to know how much time we have to talk about with Mel and I, because I feel like there's a lot to discuss. Let's begin. Do we want to talk about Benjamin? Okay. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? 
Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ben's lean. Benjamin. Do you want to talk about the thing Boom. that I disliked? Brr, I was going to say, do we want to try and, and not get too broad on this and just quickly do a queer reading of Withnil and I? Mm-hmm. We can do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. We can talk about it. Um, you know, they are clearly in some sort of Relish, and I is constantly thinking about what Withnal is thinking about and trying to take care of Withnal, and mm-hmm. Withnal wants to get into bed with yeah. and I, and there's some shame baked into it, yeah. and mm-hmm. it's very Withnal. Uh, Withnal. <laughs> this it's, is my room. <laughs> I can't think of what the example that I want to tie it to. It, it's not my own private Idaho, but it's mm. it's a similar dynamic between the two characters. Except I think that Withnal and I have had sex a few times and both liked it. I don't know. I they just should have kissed. Yeah. And that's my queer reading of with <laughs> Well, after the Uncle Vernon moment, the much discussed Uncle Vernon moment, mm-hmm. I was hoping that it would become explicitly gay. It would become explicitly gay. And then it didn't. Paul McMahon was like Before he gets scared of Uncle Vernon's aggression, the mm-hmm. three of them just being in that house together and like cooking. Yes. Like, it's it's like if the three of us were to make dinner right now. Yeah. But I, I also like there's there's all this stuff going on with with the shame of it all where you know and I is wagging a sausage at Withnal and Withnal's you know repelled by it and scared yeah. and runs out of the room and then there's oh, the moment yeah. where they're both scared that they're going to get like eels shoved into their houses yeah. like there's so much phallic imagery in the mm-hmm. movie um, and there a lot and, of shame lot and of one of the very first it. scenes is he's reading an article about a trans woman a trans woman yeah. mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. It like it seems to set up that he wants that. Like there's a look on his face of like, oh, maybe this is me type of thing. But it's just like never really addressed again. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely. I mean, explicitly. I, I can certainly relate to the aspect of fear around uh, bigger straight men in public spaces that knowing that you are just being targeted when you walk into them when he goes in to pee at the urinal and gets very scared by the I like fucking asses mm-hmm. or whatever it is that's etched into the wall. Yeah. I mean, I think this movie is very much about a man reckoning with his love and sexual attraction for his best friend. Mm-hmm. I yeah. agree. While also it's take, it takes similarly to, um, to the, the Heller films that we were talking about, Can You Forgive Me and The Diary of a Teenage Girl, it takes place at a pivot point in the culture. Mm-hmm. It's the end of the 60s. And, and as, as Danny, I think the character's name, character's name is, says at the end, like they're selling hippie wigs at, um, you know, at Boots or, or yeah. at some, like, uh, at, at Woolworths. Um, and then, of course, And I, who has the beautiful, luscious locks, mm-hmm. we don't, in, 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 in the span of, a day he goes into a room and exits it with a short yuppie yeah. cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I don't think that he like in, at the end of the day he sells out. He decides not mm-hmm. to continue living his counterculture lifestyle, yeah. which is more than that. I mean, it's like rampant drug use, yeah. like you know, Richard E. Grant is drinking lighter fluid. Like it's a pretty mm-hmm. degenerate and codependent space. But he he decides, similar to Hugh Grant and Morris, that he is not going to yeah. be himself. He is going to conform mm-hmm. because it is the safe route. And then Withnell is left quoting Hamlet in the rain. Yeah. Um, and then I oh, guess I in, in the original idea. draft of the script, he then went home and shot himself. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Because they're, you know, they're not together. <laughs> yeah, and and if I and, can't and, and have just and die. Gen- generally lamenting the state of man. Yeah, but yeah, but um, anybody else? No. What I what I really liked about it, I mean, and it's not the only time that this has ever happened in a movie, but um, the sort of ego that goes into drug addiction. I don't want to say that uh, flippantly. But like with no good point won't take certain roles. He won't be the understudy in the Chekhov. Mm-hmm. He won't do this or he won't do that. And therefore he's just going to go drink or he's going to drink lighter fluid or he's going to take this pill. And I don't know. That just rang very true to my life. I think there's something about the ego, which is, a I think, a pretty awesome observation in terms of their wasting their lives getting wasted mm-hmm. but to with null anyway it is a grand adventure that might as well be the great british novel yeah you know and and certainly he must know on some level that this is not sustainable that this is not the right way to be living his life but there's mm-hmm. something about the you know they're going to go up to the country and spend this weekend uh because you know they're 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 uh, great men they're you know? great artists yeah they're great mm-hmm. artists they're great men they're philosophers they're you know they're adventurers mm-hmm. And then they get there and they don't even know how to feed themselves. Yeah. It's such a funny cut once Richard Griffith shows up, once Uncle Vernon shows up. Uncle Vernon. The, the, the cut uh, from when he catches them in bed together at night, which is like, this movie, I mean, they are so horny for each other, mm-hmm. with Nall and I. Yeah. It was like a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. But the cut <laughs> into the morning when he just walks them with an armful of dry wood, mm-hmm. like, you just had to go down to town. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I like how they go to that lady and just beg her, and she's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" I, well, yeah. and, and then and then and I has the uh, the uh, the voiceover monologue where he says pretty explicitly that people in the city and people in the country are sort of equally terrible. Yeah. But there's something I love about this film, with all due respect to the country, but having having lived in England for little bits, uh, like in essentially like the England. suburbs of London, England. but then like going out into the country to like go to Stonehenge or like I remember for one vacation we drove up to like the lake district to stay with my dad's friend territory yeah but it's just like it i love that the movie hooks into just the um how terrifying that all the locals are (laughs) yeah and it's funny um and i was saying this in our in our text group but you know i think all the secondary characters in this movie are caricature in opposition Mm -hmm. to our two boys um and i i find it hysterical (laughs) with 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 the the stalker with the eels and the gun um I just think it's I think it's great. I do think it's a problem with Uncle Vernon because he's such a big character. Mm. And I do think that's the difference and that's why it's like hard for me to embrace this movie because of that. Yeah. I, I and, and and I told you I totally respect where you're coming from on this. I for me where I think it's for me where I think it's fine. I don't have a problem with it as much. And I have a little bit of an issue with the the predatory aggression yeah. of the character. Um, because even if we're bi- if we're building caricatures out of townies, out mm-hmm. of gay people, like we talk a lot about how um, 
one of the really damaging effects of the Kevin Spacey revelations was that they feed into this narrative that gay men are predators, right? Um, On straight men, on children. um, And it's obviously false and it's, and it's poisonous um, and it's completely disrespectful Um, in this movie in a way to suggest that the caricature version of an adult gay man Mm -hmm. is someone who would not take no for an answer, I think is a problem. But when it comes to his ego, I think it's more skewing the fact that he's a failed actor Mm -hmm. than anything else. But I hear you. Because I see some of it too, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I I'm fine with him being boisterous and over the top and loquacious and an idiot. Because that to me is less about a mincing homosexual than it is like a failed actor who mm-hmm. is still getting high off his own ego. Yeah, but the um, the aggression scene, it the the movie almost lost me. But then, I don't know. It basically did lose me. It was very hard for me to like continue. Yeah, I will say. I mean, and, and and it's a misstep, but he's not a monster. And mm-hmm. that as soon as I mean, he's convinced to stop because and I says that he and Whitmill because of monogamy it, and because of monogamy. Yeah, but he but he's mm. his own shame and humiliation in that moment is totally affecting for me. And I think Richard yeah. Gr- for for this problematic nature of the characters that I think Rachel Gr- Rachel Griffiths R- Rachel Griffiths Richard Griffiths does give a great performance. Yeah. But I think I think Richard E. Grant is just astonishing in this thing. He's really great. He's magnetic, he's scary, he's funny, mm-hmm. he's desperate. It's and, and this is something like Richard E. Grant ties into his character in Can You Forgive Me too. Like mm-hmm. you know that you don't that you shouldn't egg him on yeah. because ultimately he's doing more harm to himself for your benefit. But at the same time the show is just so damn good. You don't mm-hmm. want it to stop. And it's like, you know, now we talked about in this in this episode. So we've got Ben Mendelsohn, who plays Jess's mom on girl, Jess's dad on girls. And then Richard E. Grant, who plays the addict in rehab with Jessa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So we've got our two wily rapscallions who Mm -hmm. are bad influences on the pod today. How beautiful. How beautiful. Anything else? No, I don't think so. Well, then I think. um, Will you guys. Can you ever forgive me if I wrap this up? Oh, certainly, yes. <laughs> You're like, I will, I will praise you. I will pat you on the back. So this has been another you. episode of Movies I Am Mo. Thrilled that you listened. Happy to have you here. And next week... Happy to be here. Happy to be here by Julian Baker. Remember that sad song? Mm. So the Brandon and I made a shared playlist called Sad Songs for Ben. Never shared it with Never ben. shared it with Ben. and Listen to it anyway. I listen to it when I'm driving. I listen to it when I fold laundry. It's, <laughs> it's a great playlist. Lucy Dacus? What? Holy shit. Oh, yeah. Welcome. You introduced me to her. Yeah, both albums. Night Shift? Yeah. 35 Shots of Rum is Shaking. But next week, we are talking about Luca Guadagnino's Blood on the Tracks. Oh, fuck, that's oh right. no, that's not out yet. Blood on the Tracks is not out yet. We are talking about his newest film, Suspiria. Wow. I thought you were going to extend the bit and be like, "Call me by your name too." That's what I thought too. <laughs> Blood on the well, Blood on the Tracks kind of is "Call me by your name too." If you think about Tangled Up in Blue, the mm-hmm. idea of the two lovers reuniting like twenty years later. Mm-hmm. Um, God damn it! Tangled Up in Blue is m- top five songs ever written. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A friend of mine, his dad, like I always knew that song growing up because his he told me that his dad would sing it to him every night before he would go to bed, which looking back is like kind of a weird song to sing. But when like talking him into bed when he was Cute. a kid, we're talking about Suspiria next week. We're gonna chat about a couple of Jello films, mm-hmm. and I think we're all really looking forward to it. I still haven't processed that. 
we flipped the schedule. I know. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm still thinking we're doing burning. A little, little behind the bit. We thought we were going to be talking about burning. And as I mentioned to my friends here, uh, I got a $10 credit from Criterion for being a loyal Filmstruck member. And they had that half-off sale a couple weeks ago or last mm. week. A couple weeks ago mm. by the time this comes out. And so I applied my $10 credit atop the half-off. And I got secret Li Chang Dong, secret sunshine for $5. Nice. <gasps> wow. And I, Are you going to go to the Arrow screening? Still, you should. I bought a ticket. Oh yeah, you, and you are going. I think and, going. and I want to see them both. I mean, I'll see Bernie, but I want to see Secret Sunshine on the big screen yeah. too. Is it? That's going to be a, a long print? night, though. No, Lee Chang Dong makes very long movies because they're both like two and a half, and he's going to be there oh, f- in between. It's going to be a crazy night. Fuck. It's going to be like six hours. Get a coffee. Literally, oh, it's going to start at seven thirty. It's not going to end until one o'clock. Oh fuck! Why are they doing it that late? Well, they have to. It's, it's always yeah. worth it when you stay at the Arrow late. Yeah, no, it'll be fine. I'm not worried. I'll just be sleepy on yeah. Friday. Yeah. But you'll be so lit on cinema. Lit on cinema, baby. So anyway, we're doing Suspiria We're doing Suspiria instead. next week. When did they bump the release? I don't know. Was it always? It probably it maybe always was limited this weekend. It was weekend. probably always I had New been York, looking LA. forward to it as a post-Halloween treat, like a way to sort I of know. settle into November, but I guess not. It's here. It's here. It's queer. We'll see. Maybe. Maybe. Something. It's here. It's fear. It's dancing all over our graves. Oh. <gasps> My name is Daniel Crook. You yeah, can find me goodbye. on the internet Who? at Daniel Crook. Please check out Swing Left. Find the nearest race you can get involved in. More importantly, do some research about your governor candidates. If you have a governor on the ballot, your state legislature races. They say that the states are the laboratories of democracy. And right now, oh. a lot of them are run by mad fucking scientists. So Ooh. if you live in Wisconsin, make sure you get wow. Evers to replace Walker. Make sure that we can we, we can repeal these voter ID laws by having Democrats in the state legislatures mm. and in the governor's mansions. That is my plea to you. I'm chewing. I'm Ben MB. We're going out of order. I'm going. I'm doing chewing. I'm you. Can, you've really thrown me. You can find me on the internet you for a at Real Todd Haynes. I'm Peter Travers. You can find me at Peter Travers. <laughs> I'm Peter Travers. You can find me at at Knocked Four Number Four Loop. <laughs> <laughs> You can find our podcast, Movies IMO, on Twitter at Movies IMO. You can find us on, you know, most of your, what do they say, podcatchers. Uh, but we are certainly on the Apple Podcast application. I would implore you to please leave us a nice review, rate us five stars, and tell us, can you ever forgive us? Yes. Oh, fuck. <laughs> that one writes itself. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was easy. This is an easy one. Um, in summation, No one ever answers our Question. Oh no, but that to me is sort of the the funniest thing about this. Because someone can leave tradition. a review now that just says no. <laughs> well, no. What's great is like no one really leaves reviews um, <laughs> except for our one angry listener. <laughs> um, and and so we have all these great prompts that yeah. are left unanswered, and I kind of get a kick out of it. <laughs> Tell us, someone, pl- please clap. Please. Uh, <laughs> please. Please tell us if you can forgive us. Please leave us a review that just says anyone, no. Literally anyone, let us know that you're listening. Let us know you're out there. Give us a sign. This is like contact. You're yeah, just yeah. like putting our signal at him or waiting. Please, like are you boom. out there? Or close encounters. Like So mm. all we're waiting for is just like a bum, 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 bum. Or actually, is no, that right? 
Yeah, that are you is right. sure? Yeah, that's correct. But what it, it's close enough. But actually, oh going my. off the logic of Close Encounters, what it would be is is because that's what Francois Truffaut is ba- blasting out mm. into the earth or into space, and that's what they get back. So if this if if this podcast was our Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you know, someone would like scream back at us by being like, I don't know, Sean Dealman. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> something like that. I'm Terry Wait. Gar. <laughs> Wait, I had a John Dealman to say. Oh, no, I remembered. I'll say it. Can you ever forgive us for referencing John Dealman in every episode? Oh, cute. <laughs> That's going to be the tease on Friday. Cute. Are we good? <laughs> Did we do it? Are we done? I think we're done. The winner is Jane Fonda. Thank you. Thank you very much, members of the Academy, and thank all of you who applauded. There's a great deal to say, and I'm not going to say it tonight. I would just like to really thank you very much.